Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of the Elite Beat, your source for all the AEW news, reviews, previews, interviews, anything under the purview of all elite wrestling. I'm Andy, sitting directly across the couch from me is Jenny. Hello. And 111 miles to our southwest is Megan. Hello. Now, Megan, you are um, you are under the full understanding that Jenny and I are recovering from a two-day hangover. Uh, I am. You party. You party animals are crazy, and uh, I believe that I have taken on the mantle uh, that Jenny normally wears to talk about bubbly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so uh, it is. It is uh, your solemn responsibility this week to uh, walk us through uh, the elite beat pop of the week. Okay, um, fair warning, this is going to be like when Jenny had to take over recap duty, and she wasn't <laughs> happy about it. <laughs> so, just putting that out there. Um, Your job's hard, Megan. I appreciate that. I've done zero research into the Shandon I'm about to drink, so your job's hard, in that you have to Google things. Um, Sometimes I they do. use a book. <laughs> Well, you do have a giant encyclopedia of champagne at your house that I've seen, so might as well put it to use. As I said, I am drinking at my house a bottle of Chandon Brut. I think the last time I drank Chandon, it was the rosé, so we're mixing it up a little bit. Um, yeah, I don't have any Chandon trivia, guys, so if Jenny, if you have any off the top of your head, feel free to jump in. Otherwise, I'm going to just skip right to the fun sound it makes when you open it. You know, the next time you drink Chandon, Megan, before you do, I think we need to research how the Domain Chandon from Napa is connected with the Moet and Chandon from France. Because Moet had a partnership with Chandon. Uh, there were two two families, and I believe the um, daughter of Moet married a Chandon. So that's why Moet and Chandon is is combined on your on your Moet bottles. I've always been interested, and I don't know how Domaine Chandon is connected with Moet and Chandon. So we'll listeners will find out for you. I already know the answer to this question. Oh, great! It's in the first line of their Wikipedia entry. Oh, <laughs> Domaine Chandon is a winery located in Napa Valley in the town of Yountville, California. Okay, the second line of there. Established in 1973 by Moet et Chandon by business and Jason Wright and was the first French-owned sparkling wine producer in Napa Valley. So that's the connection. They own it. Oh. Yeah. All right. I think to make up for the fact that we didn't need to research, we should probably just drink some Moet at some point. Yeah, no, we, on we this, definitely should. Yes, on this program. Um, great. Okay, so that was... Way more than I anticipated going in. I'm I'm very excited now, but... Do you feel like it's more fancy now? I feel like it's more fancy. Yeah, it does seem a little more fancy, and which is good, because I'm always a little bit sad to repeat stuff, but Chandon is better than Corbel, and it is also readily available at the grocery store, so there's never really any issue getting it. I feel like it's, it's a bit of the uh the regular pop of the week on my side of things so well, why don't you uh, crack it open there for us so we can hear the noise all right here we go Ooh, that was a good pop very good pop yeah and it didn't even you know got no spillage Ooh, good yeah 
So we're going to do things uh, in a bit of a different order this week, as I feel that the uh, the real pressing news uh, was the news. As on January 15th, we were informed that Warner Media had extended its deal with All Elite Wrestling through the year 2023. And I'll just, I'll just read a little bit of their press release. Warner Media announced today an expanded relationship with All Elite Wrestling, the groundbreaking new wrestling league that has already redefined wrestling with resounding success after only a few months. Warner Media has extended their deal for AEW Dynamite, a top 20 new cable unscripted series through 2023. In addition, the parties have agreed to launch another night of AEW action, offering more of the fans' favorite wrestlers with a second show straight to series. So, um, uh, Dave Meltzer at the Wrestling Observer Newsletter uh, reporting on this, that the extension is worth $175 million and works out to just under $44 million per year, which he adds will make AEW profitable this year and beyond. And there's also an option for TNT for 2024 at a significantly increased price now there's some there's a little bit of uh, I, I guess I'd say misunderstanding or or conflicting reporting about what the additional hour of programming will be, whether it's going to be a repurposed AEW Dark or if it'll be separate from AEW Dark, which is of course their YouTube uh, program that we uh, recap every week. Um, but anyway, Megan, I'm going to start with you. Uh, what's your reaction to this news? What, was, what did you think uh, as you've kind of rolled it around in your mind over the last five days? If I'm being honest, I thought, well, there's another show I'm going to have to watch. <laughs> <laughs> but uh-huh. after that, after that, I thought, good for them. This is, I'm gr- glad that they're considered profitable and that they've locked in a deal for the future. Jenny, what were your thoughts on this news over the last five days? I, I was really excited for him. Um, so, I mean, I think we've been talking a lot, especially the last few weeks, about just how ecstatic TNT must be with them. I think maybe was it last week that you told us the number of viewers in that specific time slot from last year versus oh, this year? It's up like 80% from what they had yes. in the same slot last year. Yeah. So, like, they had to be over the moon about this. And we were talking a lot about that on our last podcast and it was really timely that AEW and uh, TNT got back in the room and kind of extended the deal. So it sounds like that the initial deal was through 2021, and this is extending it two more years, but with the different with more money. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure what the, you know, when that was supposed to expire initially, but because um, I don't know if I don't I don't think those dates ever ever specifically reported, but. I think it's just from like what Nick has mentioned, like a two-year extension and things like that, that makes it. That's I guess I just made assumptions. Yeah. But what I also think is really interesting, when you were telling me about the deal. So initially, the deal was that TNT was paying for all the production stuff. Yes. Um, but they were airing everything, and that was kind of how they were. They were basically were reducing AEW's costs of. Yeah, and and the revenue split of the ads. Right. Yeah. So the revenue split of the ads and then paying for all the production stuff. Yeah. In this new deal, TNT is no longer paying for production costs. Right. AEW is now responsible for production costs. So this is really smart. So your what what Tony Khan did here, and I think is brilliant, because 
all of your production costs, think of how much money it is to buy all of that equipment, that outlay of cash, the initial outlay of cash, yeah. to get your set, to get all your cameras, to get just... Lighting rigs and everything. Oh my gosh, yeah. think of how many assets you have to buy off the bat. And now, that initial cash outlay is has, you know, TNT already upfronted that. So now for the most part, it's just maintenance, right? Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I'm sure that I'm not exactly sure how the situations work if, if they're then buying the equipment or, or so, so renting the it or the figure I heard was that they were spending TNT was spending about half a million dollars a week to produce dynamite. So, and this also gives AEW a lot more control over what they want to do week to week from production spend. If they want to spend a million dollars one week on production, they could. Like if they really wanted to have a blowout of mm-hmm. a of a week, yeah. I mean, I'm sure they won't do that very often. Or if they wanted to cut costs in different ways, they have a lot more leeway to do that. Right. My first reaction to this, when as soon as I saw that this deal now makes them profitable. Oh, by the way, and they do. They still, even with this uh, the guaranteed money now, they also are keeping the ad revenue split. Oh, great. So. Um, but my first thought upon hearing that now they're profitable, they're going to be profitable in 2020. They're going to be profit. Like, unless they're stupid with their money, they're going to be profitable at least until the end of this contract. My, my thought was, okay, well then they succeeded. Like they, they, they won. They, 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 they did it. Like if the goal of the business is to, to run a profitable business, then they're set for the next like four years. It's shocking that they were that they're able to become profitable in their second year. Yeah, like most businesses, it takes five years to become profitable, especially something with this many assets and things like that. Like th- those, that's a lot of upfront business startup costs. Here's and here is and specifically here is the history of profitable nationally televised professional wrestling companies over the past like thirty years. World Wrestling Entertainment. That pause was for effect because that's the end of the list. <laughs> um, so WCW wow. was profitable for a couple of years in the in the in like when they had their big run in the nineties, but they completely collapsed. TNA in the year two thousand nine briefly ran in the black. Other, other than that, it's been um, let's see eighteen years of uh, deficit spending for that company. Uh, Ring of Honor has never been a profitable venture. Uh, ECW was never a profitable venture. In three months, after three months of being on tele- on cable TV, because because of the the you know the the way sports rights work now and the way that you know content is king, AEW is now a profitable company. And because they have a smart businessman supporting them as well, yeah, helping to make these types of movements because i i don't think that they would be profitable if they had to pay for all of those upfront asset costs yeah probably not it's probably it's probably like you said all their cash would be gone yeah Yeah. it is kind of mind-blowing to hear that wwe is literally the only profitable company out of all of them ever uh (laughs) so yikes i'm glad uh, aew can join the ranks yeah um what a risky business to like with all of that history, but you so the reason that Tony Khan got in to the wrestling business, aside aside from being just a big fan, 
is that he saw the rights fees that WWE was getting. Mm -hmm. And he said, okay, there is money to be made here. Why can't TNA and Ring of Honor get those rights fees? So TNA had a pretty good paying deal with Spike TV back in the day. And if they had been able to creatively just kind of hang on and not do too many stupid things for a little while longer, they would have they would have gotten into the era when like media companies were starting to spend big money for for those kinds of prop properties. But they're just so bad right now. But they were just they so can't... bad and now they've fallen so far. They're like not even What about Ring of Honor? Like what about Ring of Honor when they had all of these guys a year ago? Well Ring of Honor is owned by a media company. So, so they're not gonna pay the big bucks. But they should be getting it they should be getting the ad revenues. They should be getting a good slot, a good. Well, I mean, you know, they're, you know, every every Sinclair-owned station has Ring of Honor running on it on the weekends, and. Isn't it on at like midnight? Yeah. That's not a good spot. No, but like, so, so here's, the, I I have a little bit of sympathy for that because if you're a network, if 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 you're a, if you're if you're Sinclair, then the stations you own are network affiliates. So you have the network's primetime programming to play in all of those time slots. Like, I, I mean, you could say, like, screw you, Survivor. We're going to play Ring of Honor on, on Sunday nights instead in this market. But that would be ridiculous. Well, yeah, not like the big times, but I'm, I don't know. I feel like you can get a better time slot than midnight. Yeah. So you're saying that the key to running a successful wrestling company in today's market is to not be owned by a network. I mean, in, yeah, I mean, I mean so the key to running a profitable, I mean, the key is television rights fees. Right. But if you're, yeah. if you're already run, if you're already owned by a network and you're not getting those, they should be getting them though. It, it'd just be like intercompany. Yeah. Which then, well, they wouldn't even report out if they're owned by, are, are they consolidated with the Sinclair, or do they report out their own financials? Um, How do you know that they're not profitable, I guess, is my question. I guess I don't know that they're not profitable, but they don't, you know, you've watched some Ring of Honor. It doesn't look like it's a profitable company. No, it doesn't look like it's a profitable company. <laughs> and then you just spent all their fucking money on Marty. So it's never going to be a profitable company because they can't afford to get any other good guys in there. Well, that's a good segue. Well, that's a good segue. Uh, the other big news of the week, Marty Skrull has signed a new contract with Ring of Honor. Uh, it is reportedly the biggest money contract ROH has ever offered. And it's also given Skrull a lot of creative influence over the product. He is permitted to work in New Japan Pro Wrestling, Pro Wrestling Guerrilla, the NWA, or even All Elite Wrestling. Um, I think that under the circumstances, it would be hard for me to see him being used by AEW, but the option is there. Megan, thoughts on the Marty Skrull news? I was initially disappointed to hear that he had signed with Ring of Honor because I assumed that would mean I would never see him. But it does give me a little hope to know that he can work... AEW here and there if that's you know if that's all they they can use him for because 
I do think they set up some stuff with him on BZE subtly, but still they were showing him. So I want the payoff there. I want something. And if that means he shows up for a little bit, maybe an episode or two, just to like take care of that and then goes away for a bit and then comes back periodically. That's better than nothing to me. I was worried he was exclusive with ROH and it was just done and they were going to have to find a way to pivot. So no, he is super unexclusive. Uh, yeah. He's playing the field. Yeah. He's smart because <laughs> get that money, but also be able to do creative other things. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I have some different thoughts on this. So I get that the money is a draw and it's what, like 40 appearances with ROH for yeah, the money that he's getting. Yeah. But if there's no one left in ROH for you to have competitive, compelling matches with, that you having creative rights there isn't really helpful. You're not really positioning yourself to be the best wrestler in the world. And maybe that's not his goal. Maybe he just wanted the cash payout who knows how long this contract's for, and then, you know, have fun in some other companies and stuff, but they're not going to be able to use him and leverage him in the other companies. Like, AEW isn't going to use him for a long storyline or anything like that because he's not exclusive with them. He's not one of their main guys. It's interesting that you say that there's nobody compelling for him to work with in Ring of Honor because... Pretty quickly after it was announced that he had, you know, he had signed this new contract and that he had booking power and he was going to be, you know, shaping the creative direction, they announced that. No, so so you guys remember, you guys remember the um, the Madison Square Garden show last mm-hmm. year for the, the the joint show between Ring of Honor and New Japan, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And I think everyone who watched that felt pretty strongly that. It was a good show if you forget about all of the Ring of Honor stuff that happened on that show. <laughs> and and the relationship between the two sides was pretty frosty after that, and, and New Japan pretty much stopped sending people. That has all changed. Uh, it changed within a day of the announcement of Marty Skrull, which makes me think that it was already well in the works. Ring of Honor announced that at their Super Card of Honor show, which is their annual um, WrestleMania weekend show in Tampa... Actually, it's in Lakeland, Florida. They are bringing in Kenta, Jay White, Will Ospreay, El Phantasmo, Dragon Lee, uh, Marty Skrull, of course, and and they have uh, kind of suggested that they will be naming some more New Japan stars that will be wrestling on that show. Well, that's exciting. So going forward, if that relationship is back to good, and I... I feel like there's a good chance it will be, especially since New Japan doesn't have a US TV outlet anymore, then Marty will have plenty of great opponents to wrestle this year. I thought that AEW was making a play with New Japan. Uh, you know, those those feelings are still not... Uh, there are still bad feelings about that, I guess. Mm. Uh, nothing could be overcome this year. And... New Japan already has the business relationship with Ring of Honor that they've had for about 10 years. Yeah, but I like that was pretty icy earlier. Mm-hmm. Just like even a month ago, it felt like. And then it felt like maybe Jericho was trying to bridge the gap between AEW and New Japan while he was over there. 
And with them losing the TV deal, I was hopeful that maybe AEW's relationship with TNT could help get New Japan on one of Turner's networks and then kind of build a relationship. Or at the very least, get their stars exposure on TNT on Dynamite. Well, yeah. Well, I thought kind of like that would be part of the... I, I thought that that would be a really good leveraging situation. Yeah. So, uh... Yeah, so no Marty Skrull in AEW for the time being, at least. And uh, But, you know, he's got exciting new challenges ahead of him uh, trying to turn around Ring of Honor. Good luck, Marty. Maybe he's just trying to be an adult. What? What do you mean? I mean, like, sorry to keep this going, but um, maybe he took the deal that ha- gives him kind of like a bit of financial cushion, you know? Because wrestling is a sport where injury can really mess you up or take you out of the game and he's still young it'd be nice to maybe get some savings and not have to hurt your body so much so maybe he's just thinking like an adult i I mean i i think it would have been insane for him to turn this deal down like you're getting the biggest money offer that that company's ever made and you're getting the creative reins of that company like you're not going to get that deal with aew you don't think that they offered him the same amount of money and some sort of executive position. I, I don't know what they offered him, but I mean, this is a chance to, this is his chance. If he can do this, if he can make this work, then he's like, he's, he's, he's lifted himself to a whole new echelon in the wrestling business. Yeah. If he can make it work, he definitely has. Yeah. I, I worry that he's not going to make it work. But I guess even if he doesn't make it work, he still has that cash to pocket. It just depends on how long this deal actually is. So he has the money. And as long as there's an AEW out there, he's always going to be able to leverage between WWE and AEW to get to, like, cash in big after this. Yeah. And I think the stuff you're talking about is real with the injuries, Megan. Like, that's something, that's a true consideration that you have to kind of take into account when doing these deals that you're putting your body on the line every week. Yeah. But like, even, even with that, I mean, it's not like AEW is running that aggressive a schedule. Like nobody, nobody there is working 52 times a year. No, that's true. You know? No, but like you said, you know, he can always come back there. So it's like, he got the best of both worlds. I'm just saying, unless he's, I don't know his financial situation, but it seems like, if you get such a large sum of money, you've got to be able to stash away some of it or at least feel secure in what you're doing in a way that is different than when you're on the indies or even, you know, NXT level people, they're not making as much cash as as AEW, presumably, in like main roster WWE. So if you have the chance to get that money, I just, I just don't see why you wouldn't take it unless you were doing something terrible like working for TNA. <laughs> and and it seems like, I mean, you know, just from my perspective, like, what a fun creative challenge, too. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, yes, the work is rewarding. <laughs> I, yeah. I was thinking it from the, like, place of fear I live in where I'm like, what if I'm in America? What if I break my arm and my life ends because I I have medical bills? Right. Well, I mean, it kind of, we recently watched the Bret Hart documentary, Wrestling with Shadows. And I mean, it it kind of feels similar to that, where 
Brett got an amazing money deal for WCW for what three years, mm-hmm. and uh, felt the loyalty to WWF and Vince McMahon and signed a what twenty year deal with them. Yeah, um, because they couldn't have that cash outlay up front, and then within a few months, the financial troubles of WWF caused that to totally break down and then he had to go begging back to WCW to try and get his old deal back. Yep. So I mean, I guess I guess you're right. Like in watching that I was like, why on earth wouldn't you have just taken the WCW gig and run? So I guess I need to have this similar type thought process with this versus the loyalty of all of his friends in AEW. Right. You just hope he didn't burn any bridges. Because you don't know how everything went down. I've heard rumors but not Nothing like specific enough that or strong enough that I want to like repeat them, but I mean, yeah, there might be something there. I haven't heard rumors, but I would hope that if they truly are as good of friends as they appear to be on being the elite and stuff, he would have talked to them and obviously explained the situation. And in my head, the young bucks and Kenny and Adam are so supportive that I would assume they they would have supported the decision just based on like the life situation it would put him in. So I hope there's no bad blood there. I hope there's no bad blood, but I know that sometimes people aren't the best communicators. And when there's money involved, I think sometimes it makes things even more difficult to communicate about sometimes. And then you're crossing the line between friendship and professional. Like, I I think that this could have gotten dicey. I hope it didn't, but I... I, I hope nothing was hurt from all of this. Yeah. Uh, other couple more just like little tidbits to clean up uh, before we move on to the rest of the show. Uh, PW Insider reported that uh, Impact Wrestling's Brian Cage has left that group for a multi-year deal with AEW. Um, Cage has not commented, but his wife has denied it on Twitter because that's what you do um, <laughs> when. Who's Brian Cage? Uh, he's a big jacked, uh, bodybuilder looking guy who was in Lucha Underground and he's been at Impact for the last few years. Um, he's, he's pretty good, like, for a big jacked bodybuilder. He does lots of flips. Oh, wow. So he does, he's like, does Kind of like a Luchasaurus? Uh, well, yeah, but like, much more agile. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Luchasaurus gets up on the ropes and stuff, which is surprising for a man of his size. Yeah, but this guy does like he does like flippies. Oh wow, yeah. wow. Yeah. Oh wow. This guy's crazy. Yeah. Who could you even compare that to then? He's pretty unique. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, Megan, have you seen Brian Cage? Was he in Lucha Underground, the part that you watched? Yeah, he came in right near where I stopped watching, but I, I knew who he was when I heard that name. Okay. Anyway, so we'll I. I the fact that um, his wife has denied it on Twitter makes me think that uh, it's one of those things where he's going to make kind of a surprise debut mm. or something. I don't know. Um, is his <clears throat> wife anyone? Like, is she a wrestler? She was... I, I'm not sure what she's doing now, or what company she's working with. She might be with Impact, but um, but she was the ring announcer for Lucha Underground. Okay. That's where and that's where they met. Oh, wow. Okay. I think, I think Melissa Santos was her name. That yeah, that sounds right. I but love that, stories like that. That's so interesting. <laughs> yeah. 
And uh, finally, uh, Taz has signed. This this news came out like the same day as the uh, Time Warner renewal and extension. Uh, Taz has signed a multi-year deal with Ali Wrestling. And nobody has said anything for sure, but this it made me think immediately that, okay, they're signing Taz to do the secondary show, whatever that ends up being. Do you think it'll still be Excalibur and Taz? Probably. Like... Who, who else is going to call all those moves, you know? Like, yeah, I, I think I think you can't just have one person and have, like, a guest. I, I think that's been a little difficult for Dark. Yeah. They've had some success with it and some... I enjoy it because you never know what you're going to get. But I, I, I also think that, yes, if it's going to be a television property, you should probably have an established team. And, and then you can still have guest spots you can still have a third announcer come out sometimes for some matches but maybe not chuck taylor wearing a basketball jersey i'd love chuck taylor when he does the commentate i do too but like he just doesn't look you know what i mean yeah no i I get that like you'd have to dress him up yeah chuck taylor was like yo i had a match earlier this is what i wear (laughs) post-match uh i think it's gonna be a different version of dark do you think it will then replace dark Yes. Okay. I think Dark will go away, and this will be a different version of Dark. But that kind of sucks, because I think that they've been doing a really good job with Dark, and I think you can especially see that with the women's division, of giving the women the opportunity on Dark to get more experience and exposure, I think has been really helpful. Because if you think about how terrible the women's matches were in the very beginning, and how maybe not this week... But in the past few weeks, how much further they've come, um, I think a lot of that's dark and just the exposure and experience there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's been a valuable thing for the company to have. So I don't know if they are going to have to. And I, I know that they want to film it on the same day. So I don't know if you still do like a dark with no audience. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know. I think you'd have to get rid of Dark altogether if this was going to be your new Dark on the cable network. And then, last thing, the Chris Jericho Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea, part two, uh, sets sail tonight, and they're having wrestling matches on uh, today. They've only This is the only day they've announced the schedule for. But it's interesting how they're doing it. They're doing matches from 6.45 p.m. to 8.30 p.m., and then from 10 to 11 so, Are you supposed to eat that late? I don't know. I'm not sure exactly what's going on, but uh, here are the matches they announced. Private Party versus Santana and Ortiz. Britt Baker versus Allie. Joey Janela versus QT Marshall. MJF versus Jungle Boy. And John Moxley versus Sammy Guevara to main event the first uh, like kind of set of matches. And then uh, when they come back from 10 to 11, Darby Allen versus Kip Sabian. Nyla Rose versus Penelope Ford. And the main event, SCU versus uh, The Elite. So some of these matches are going to be on Dynamite, but not all of them, right? I don't think so. I thought that Sammy match was sh- was promoted for Dynamite this week. Moxley and Sammy wrestled this past week on Dynamite. Mm. Um, and SCU is defending the tag titles against Kenny and Adam on Dynamite. That's right, not the only so okay. one. But my question is, are these matches going to count? Oh... I mean, because they're AEW I know, matches. right? Yeah, so they should count, right? Yeah, I would I would think. So I'll be interested to see if these, if these are, like, reflected in the records, because 
Um, yeah, because they're going to do, I guess they're going to do, they're going to do wrestling for like, well, one of the days is going to be dynamite, but they're going to do rest, like live wrestling, I think almost every day on the cruise. Oh well, yeah, I mean, it's wrestling cruise. I was, I'm surprised that it's like all AEW people though. Doesn't he have non-AEW people on the cruise for this? Not who are active wrestlers. More, uh, more like kind of older stars and legends. And okay. Stuff, who are there to do meet and greets and things like that. Okay. Yeah. In sparkling wine news. Uh, Chris Jericho branded another sparkling wine for this cruise. It says Chris Jericho's Rockin' Wrestling Bubbly at Sea, Second Wave. And I initially thought that this was just kind of dressing up a little bit of the bubbly. But the foil on this, because there's no foil on a little bit of the bubbly... The foil on this looks suspiciously like Andre's. Oh, it's definitely Andre. And he just put a sticker over it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah this is definitely Andre. That's what you do. A little bit of the bubbly is actually, like, semi-expensive. Like, yeah, you're not going to give that to every person on the sh- on the cruise. Well, but it's just, like, I don't know. I don't know. That's definitely Andre. But how did he... How can he do that? How can he just, like, put a sticker over Andre and give it to everyone? Who's going to come for him? I guess that's true. I'm sure. Do you, think I'm that's sh- the, do you think Andre is your sparkling wine option on this cruise? Hmm. Guys, that's a tragedy if it is. I don't know. I think we learned from a little bit of the bubbly that maybe Chris Jericho's taste in sparkling wine is bad. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he would consider it bad or Andre's bad, which is the root of the issue. But uh, it's bad. Okay, well, with all that news taken care of, let us get into uh, the rest of the show. We start with the January 13th edition of Being the Elite. We open with a uh, landscaping parody of Critics with Matt and Nick. I, I assume that the idea here was, uh, you know, Nick has spent a lot of time and money on landscaping his, uh, his property, and Matt is just uh, kind of picking at every little thing. And I'm, I'm guessing that is some kind of uh, comment on online criticism. That's what I kind of guessed at it. Is that kind of what you got from it, Megan? Oh, definitely. I, I didn't know if it was directed at anyone specifically or anything maybe sort of recent. But it was clearly like, if you haven't been here and haven't done the work, then you can't really criticize us. You don't know what's going on. So... Which I, which is funny because like, I totally disagree with that take. <laughs> I fully do. I was a little yeah. surprised that they, it felt a little petty and I yeah. was surprised it was coming from them because I just think that's the silliest way to think of it. Uh, yeah. I, first off, I didn't get it. And then when you told me <laughs> that, I was like, why would they do? I mean, people are allowed, you're, you're putting on a product for people yeah. to buy and to sell advertisements so that people will watch it. It very much felt like the kind of like you didn't you've never directed a movie, so how can you have an opinion about the quality of a you know like yeah, that and it's stuff. like we're guys. I did not think you had egos like this. Yeah. So. But apparently they do. Yeah. You know, I think they have. They've probably been getting it from both barrels with social media for this entire year. So they're they're probably a little bit sick of it. Well, but now they've cut out their social media. Now they cut out. Twitter. They cut out the bad one. Uh, so we get travel with the boys as they fly into Memphis. 
they're the Grizzlies game to super kick a uh, a mascot and a human being, and uh, Orange Cassidy is randomly wandering around the game as well. And that didn't really that didn't pay off, so I don't know what that was about. Um, and Matt even like called out in a very stagey way, "What is he doing here?" So I really thought it was leading to something, and it just it just was not. Maybe that got cut. Maybe. Uh, we're at Graceland, which I just thought it looks like a pretty cool museum. Mm. Uh, back at the arena, the guys are kind of just like briefing us on their busy day. Uh, Lanny Poffo is talking to the Bucks, and it comes up that Kenny Omega's favorite match is a Lanny Poffo versus Hulk Hogan match, which I know exactly what match uh, Kenny's talking about. It's from a Saturday night's main event. And uh, Lanny Poffo beats Hulk Hogan, who is the WWF champion, by count out, thanks to uh, nefarious interference from Mr. Perfect Kurt Hennig. Uh, we get Hangman with his former trainer, the Boogie Woogie Man, Jimmy Valiant. I thought it was a very heartwarming segment between these two. It uh, kind of ends with uh, the Boogie Woogie Man saying, you got a lot that you're running from, but you've got a lot more to be running towards. Yeah, I thought we were going to get more payoff from this. Like, because it really looked like Adam was being introspective and, and, and thinking through some of his actions. And I thought maybe his behavior would change a bit more. Mm-hmm. But we haven't really gotten that. No. He had a drink in his hand while he was doing this, though, right? It's true. Yeah. This is like when you're drunk at a party and you see someone, you know, you just, oh, I love you, man. I feel so bad about this thing I did to you 10 years ago. I feel like that was the tone. I wasn't expecting, sorry, Adam, for you to grow. I just thought this showed you're still in a bad place. Chris Statlander is backstage. She cannot figure out how a tipped over chair works. And uh, Orange Cassidy comes by and sets it upright for her and helps her sit down. And then he boops her and walks away. Seems like Chris Statlander and uh, Orange Cassidy have more chemistry than Chris Statlander and John Silver. Well, we've never seen them together on like on screen. That's true. I've seen Instagram stories of them together. Do they not look like they have chemistry? Uh, <laughs> I think she has more chemistry with Orange Cassidy. Okay. I fully don't know how to take, take Jenny's. Nah. Yeah, me neither. Uh, back to the hangman. He's looking pretty drunk. Uh, he's looking for Kenny again. And... Uh, Kenny's like trying to convince him to drink some water and and uh, Hangman's like, I already, I already have water. And then Kenny takes a takes a drink and and he spits it out and says, This ain't water. Oh, Kenny. The the big payoff of this uh, scene is we we for one second see that uh, Michael Nakazawa, who's sitting there, uh, has a uh, Dark Order webpage open. Yeah. I like this last part a lot, actually. Hangman uh, Kenny's trying to get Hangman home. He's going to like get him an Uber or whatever. and But he gets sidetracked by the Bucks who want him to come into their locker room to do their kind of like weekly post-show like kind of wrap-up that they've been doing lately. So so Adam uh, kind of goes off by himself, but he doesn't realize that he's by himself. He's looking around, he's looking for Kenny, but Kenny is gone. Also somewhere in here, Brandon Cutler shows up and it sounds like he's been missing all day. Hmm. So, suspicious. Very suspicious. So I don't know. I just thought I thought it was kind of a weird episode. I like the Hangman and uh, Jimmy Valiant part. I liked that part, but yeah, overall it just felt like kind of a little off. 
maybe this is like one of those filler episodes where a lot's getting set up and it'll make a later episode good. Maybe, yeah. AEW Dark from South Haven, Mississippi. Uh, there was the Memphis Les- uh, Wrestling Legends tribute, which was that, that was fine. <laughs> What'd you think, Megan? See all those old men? I thought, I don't know who any of these people are, but the audience seems like they do, so good for them. Yeah, it was very much like a, a, a play for the, the local market, and as such, I'm glad that they did it on this instead of on Dynamite. Yes, that was nice. I did think, though, also, we saw on BTE Adam's mentor, and I didn't know who that was. So it was kind of nice to see a little bit more about him on this show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the commentary team for this was Excalibur and Dave Brown, who uh, you know was there for one uh, match on Dynamite last week as the kind of the the all-time uh, living legend of Memphis wrestling broadcasting. And so that was kind of fun. They even did like a wacky uh, like VHS tape filter effect when the show started. I admit I thought something was wrong because <laughs> we had talked and I don't maybe it wasn't related to this specific show. But I remember you saying the Bucks apologize for some digital issues or like video issues. And I, I wondered if that was what this was. So uh, first match, Darby Allen defeated Brandon Cutler. Uh, pretty basic match, but uh, crowd crowd's hot for Darby. Crowd's always hot for Darby. You gotta be hot for Darby. Come on. Yeah, I always like seeing Darby. Yeah. He's pretty great. He's a star. Also, I will say, hearing that old man announcer guy try to kind of identify with these young young lads who are doing weird stuff and look weird was entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we had a Nyla Rose versus Shanna match scheduled, but uh, it never technically got underway as they both brawled all over the place, so... Uh, Guess we'll have to wait another day to see that conclusion. And in the main event, Billy and Austin Gunn, the Gun Club, defeated Sean Spears and Peter Avalon. Um, this went a really long time. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like Sean Spears' search for the perfect tag team partner is heading in the wrong direction. <laughs> when you go to Peter Avalon, yeah. it definitely is. Yeah. You're going to free fall at that point. Mm-hmm. Maybe this so. is the lowest point, and so he can only go up. I mean, I guess he could, like, try out Brandon Cutler. But, like, beyond that, yeah, like, there's nowhere else to go but up. <laughs> oh. It's QT, right? Is it QT, Brandon, and Peter Avalon? I think QT is even, like, like being placed at a level, because he's, like, Cody's buddy. is like, well, placed true. at a level above these two. He gets to, like, do that ridiculous flip that he does. Oh, my God. But you have um, to think that Brandon Cutler might be busy with the Dark Order, potentially. So, Yeah. Well, he definitely is. And I'm going to get a bottle of champagne when that's where it'll be yelled. Okay. Megan, did you have any, like, I don't know. Strong feelings about this one? Did you scout Austin Gunn? Did you, how, how, do you, how, do you, how did Austin Gunn look to you? I, he, he's so much his dad. It was distracting almost. Like, I don't think in a bet. In a bad way, necessarily. Like, he did fine. But when he talked, when he... Just the way he looks, I'm like, Billy Gunn. There's too many Billy Guns in this ring. It's weird. Um, but, you know, like, he seems fine. 
if if he's signed on now, which it sounds like he is, and we see more of him, I'm not against it. I don't think he's going to work without his dad. I think like, that I think that he'll hopefully they'll have they'll keep that team together for a while because he's going to need to improve and then like kind of like figure out his own character. Yeah, because he's just being his dad's character. It feels yeah. like, and his promo was a little yeah shaky. And then he had to give the microphone over as though he couldn't quite continue with the promo. Yeah, well, I don't know. I uh, it's fun to it was, it was kind of fun to see like a father and son tag team though. Yeah, that w- it was fun. Yeah, they had good like chemistry because of that. I think. Um, yeah, so. I enjoyed the chance of ass boy. Yes, that was funny. The crowd really latched onto that quick. Like Sean Spears, like you know, he said it as a as a pejorative, but then the crowd, like you could tell that they meant it in a loving way. Yeah, <laughs> it was better than "son of a gun" that was written on his butt. Oh yeah, <laughs> I do appreciate though that I think it's funny that they're the Gun Club and he's "son of a gun." I'm like, you're really taking that gun name to the bank here, guys. Good job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he is riding some coattails. So that was dark. Uh, not much of a show. Nothing. Not, I mean, you know, I'll always say watch a Darby Allen match, but even this one wasn't so, you know, it, it was nothing special. Yeah. I was surprised how long they let Brendan Cutler keep going. You know, like I expected it to be, to be almost like a squash match. Yeah. I had similar thoughts with a match later on Dynamite. Well, let's let's get into that, shall we? Yeah, I'm excited to hear which one it is because I don't think I can guess yet. (laughs) Before we get into Dynamite, just like the show, we have to acknowledge, rest in peace, Rocky Johnson. Yeah. I don't know who that is, but I'm sure Andy does. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, he's a, he was a, you know, from Canada, like, but a big star in the San Francisco territory and uh big like i would say like primarily san francisco was, was like he from where, vancouver he was where was rocky from i think i thought he was from ottawa nova scotia actually okay okay amherst nova scotia so he That's was a, far from san francisco yeah yeah very far yes so yeah and then he had a big run uh, in the early 80s as um, a tag team wrestler uh, in the WWF. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, it's one of those cases where he's going to be best remembered for who his son is. And his son is The Rock, Dwayne Johnson. Oh. So it's kind of hard to not be overshadowed by your son when your son is like... The Rock? When the son is The Rock, who was the biggest star in wrestling and then became the biggest star in Hollywood. Wow. Is that why The Rock took The Rock? After Rocky? Uh, well, so The Rock, when he... So his dad's Rocky Johnson. The Rock was... Before he was The Rock, he was Rocky Mayavia. Okay. So, yeah. So, yeah. So it's The Rock's dad passed away. Well, uh, well, like, RIP. I saw that on NXT and AEW. So I was like, oh, we got some crossover here. I knew yeah. knew it had to be a big name. Yeah, it happened on Wednesday afternoon. So I don't think they, any, I don't think anybody had time to like get together a video package. They finally did air a video package uh, at the top of SmackDown on Friday. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Now that we've got that business sorted, um, this week's dynamite is Bash at the Beach 
and it is coming at you from the Watsco Center in Miami, Florida. We've got a beach theme stage. We've got sexy lifeguards. We've got the camera crew wearing Hawaiian shirts. So you know this is going to be a party episode. Yeah. We got the announce team wearing Hawaiian shirts. Yeah. Except Jim Ross. Jim Ross was wearing something weird, wasn't he? Yeah, it was like a short sleeve button down, but it wasn't Hawaiian. He's like, um, I'll go party, but not Hawaiian party. I won't go all the way. Uh, yeah, there was sand. There were beach balls. There were like, there were like little palm trees down, uh, like next to the ramp. It was. They really. They did a hell of a job. I thought uh, decorating that set. Other than the sexy lifeguard, I was fine with the sexy lifeguard. <laughs> it felt very like even Formula One got rid of their like sexy bikini girls. They did, but I will give this one a pass because thematically it works. It's not just random bikini girls around cars. It's a lifeguard lifeguards station. Don't <laughs> wear bikinis though. Lifeguards wear one pieces. True. I mean, I'm not saying they're they're true to life here, but <laughs> it made lifeguards... sense to me within the theme. <laughs> Are taking care of a pool. There was no pool here. Yeah, well, I, I've given them a pass because also I felt like the camera didn't linger on them in a way that made me feel gross. It, oh, it they lingered were just on there. them several times. It went past them. No, it lingered on their boobs several times and like several of the guys like were like, hit me up. Or at least Sammy did it multiple times. Sammy did that to Jen yeah. Decker. But he also did it to the lifeguard. Okay. I didn't but- notice that. That's Sammy. That's more Sammy's problem than the camera guys. I'm just saying, I didn't feel particularly like offended by this portrayal. It it, it didn't strike me in the same way as um like uh booth babes or or the F1 girls. It it's just like, yeah, they're at a beach, quote unquote, like beach. So the point is we have a theme, guys. <laughs> We're at this, the beach the week before is, we go on the cruise. Yeah, and this is just like, because I believe that uh, technically this week's, this next week's show is also part of the Bash at the Beach experience. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they're, okay, so they're rolling it together. I just assume that this week is the Jericho Cruise theme one. Yeah, yeah. But I think they're they're theming it. Bash at the Beach for the whole two, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. It's very exciting. They didn't want to have to pay Jericho those, like, extra rights to use the name of his cruise line for the yeah. episode. I mean, I thought he would have insisted. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I misinterpreted his his take on the whole thing, but okay. Well, good to know. So we're currently on the beach, and our first match is going to take place between Adam Page and Kenny Omega against Proud and Powerful, also against Best Friends, and finally against the Young Bucks. It's a eight-man match, which I'm sure, Jenny, your head was spinning, because I know that that's four people more than you generally like to have in a ring. This and is this true. is, yeah, yeah. It's fair. It's busy. Um, it's four more than she, it's four more than she uh, prefers, but it, and it's also two more than she permits. Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Thank you for clarifying the prefer versus permit, because mm-hmm. I had that line. I had that mixed up. But the reason there's so many people inside the ring for this one is because it's the number one contender match for the AEW World Tag Team Championship. And the winners of this match will go on to face SCU for the titles 
on next week's show. And it turns out, guys, that those two people will be Adam Page and Kenny Omega, because Adam gets the pin on Chuck Taylor, which was sad for me, but... I mean, it made, made the most sense, though. Poor Chuck. He's the one in this group that has to eat the pin. He's the most expendable. Aw. This is why he wears basketball shirts to his announcing gigs. Exactly. Yeah, so this was um, an action-packed match because, of course, AEW is synonymous with tag team wrestling, and we have all the best ones here uh, in this particular place and time. So, Jenny, I know that you've been working hard to track Adam Page's status as far as being the elite goes. Do you have a list, or do you want me to go through how he interacted in this match that made me sad? I, I don't have a list, so I'll let you do that. Okay, so it should be said that the elite, and by that I mean at least Kenny and the Bucks, cannot help but work together. Even though they're technically rivals in this match, they don't ever really fight each other. And there are multiple places where they almost kind of help each other, but... Well, they tease fighting at the very beginning. So at the very beginning, Kenny and Matt are in the ring and they're about to fight. But Kenny, who would much rather wrestle Nick, as we all know, <laughs> decides to, to back off. That's true. And they, they slap hands as a sign of sportsmanship. But also, even if they were emotionally prepared to fight, they do get broken up by Santana and Ortiz running in for interference. So they're never actually, like, forced to to face each other with moves. That's true. No, Ortiz is Tiger-style. Make sure that that doesn't happen. Ortiz is not <laughs> going to be comfortable on the boat with that do. Sarah's going to be... Well, maybe, it's going to be so high. Well, maybe he went to... Maybe he went and got it done afterward. You know oh, I mean? yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. man, I, like... Because you gotta you gotta pick it all the way out before you before get before you get it done. Yeah. That, which makes total sense. I I'm just like thinking anytime I'm in any hot weather, my hair is up 100 percent of the time. Like Monica on the cruise ship. Yeah, I am yeah. never wearing my hair down <laughs> ever in the heat or humidity. Now, Megan, do you have on your list that uh, uh, Adams Chiron this week read "Anxious Millennial Cowboy"? You know I do. Because <laughs> because I think that probably plays into a lot of his issues as a whole yeah oh it's like a more of a life statement than a <laughs> particular to this match statement but yeah you're you're right um so the, the sportsmanship that was more between kenny and the bucks but adam they cut to a shot of adam looking i want to say left out like he kind of looks a little mad but also mostly just hurt you know he looks sad yeah but also, I have a tough time having sympathy for him because he's done a lot of stuff as far as when he and Kenny fight to just antagonize Kenny. I don't think so. Well, like, he refuses to do the high five sometimes. That was just once. They've uh, done the high ten several times since that first high five. And he's been fine with it. Okay. I think I think that I think that Kenny has had uh, the patience of a saint with uh, Adam's young ass over these past few weeks. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, I know Adam may be suffering emotionally, but he's taking it out on Kenny in a way that I agree with Andy. Kenny is showing patience where he could just 
slap him in the face and say, get your shit together. Sometimes you take things out on the people you love the most. You do. Uh, That's true. This is definitely my favorite storyline going on right now, though. Like the the kind of the slow, you know, dissolution of Adam Page and Kenny Omega's partnership, which is funny because like the partnership kind of came out of nowhere and it seemed weird, but now I'm really invested. In yeah. It. Yeah. They're fun. Yeah. And, and I do hope that Kenny is trying to take care of his boy and help him through the tough times. Um, but they, they now have two double man moves. Do you know what they're called? No, they haven't named them, but like they do the thing where they they like have a guy between them and they just chop the shit out of him back and mm-hmm. forth until finally he puts his arms up to block a chop and then Kenny chops him in the back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's a great one. And then the way they finished uh, Chuck in this match was a uh, simultaneous V trigger and buckshot lariat. Yes. Which is terrific. Which that's kind of the happy partnership ending that we get but there is so adam looks sad kind of throughout this match when they cut to him on the outside waiting to be tagged and when kenny and the bucks interact in any way really but (laughs) but there is a moment where matt has the opportunity to go over and tag one of them and kenny and adam both extend their hand they're equally available nobody's rushing this choice so matt stands there for a minute and he looks at both of them and then he picks Kenny. Yes. So, yep. And so, that that is on Matt. Adam should have been hurt by that, and he was. He he was he was hurt by it, but that kind of puts into perspective where the Bucks are at with this whole thing. And later, near the end, this comes back to haunt him. I think because Adam tags Matt out while he's in the middle of facing Chuck. Um, like, it looks like Chuck's going to get him, but he kind of grabs the ring rope and does that thing where he holds on and Chuck falls backwards. So he's not in imminent danger, but Adam just slaps him and does the tag and then gets in. And Matt has a very sour look on his face. He was not ready for that. He He's not okay with it. And, it, and Matt, right before this, almost super kicks Adam in the face. And on then accident. On accident, yes, on accident. But, like, Matt's clearly struggling a bit. Like, doesn't quite know what he's doing. Little disoriented, trying to kick his friend. So then Adam slaps himself in. But then it did kind of look like Adam helped pull down the ropes for Trent to throw Matt out of the ring. Yeah. You know why it looked like that? Because that's what happened. (laughs) Oh, I thought of a third Omega Page Double Man move, by the way. Okay, toss it in here. So when Kenny does the you can't escape slam and then does his moonsault and then Adam immediately followed up with a moonsault of his own. Okay. Yeah. Well, Adam gets that tag that Matt didn't want to have and this led to the finish of the match where they did the double man move with the buckshot lariat and the V trigger. Mm -hmm. And so so Matt's mad but by the end like when the refs holding the their hands up in victory like the bucks they they support this win and matt sort of give gives adam like the look that he's mad but then he kind of shakes his head and then he shakes adam's hand and it appears that he's willing to let it go i i suspect that adam is not so willing to let it go but he 
he raises his hand in victory and moves on with his life in that specific moment. Um, but there's clearly some stuff going on. Yeah, they all like shake hands and hold up their hands in victory. But Adam's the first to get out of the ring to go get yeah. a beer. Yeah. So I, you know, this match ruled. Like, I guess I'll just say that. Uh, <laughs> like, it was super, super good. It was really difficult to tell who the legal men were, though. You gotta, you gotta just not care about that. You just, <laughs> I do you care. You gotta though. just not give a shit. You, got, you <laughs> can't be, you can't be Jim Ross out there watching this. You, know? you only have to care when it's a storyline situation where the refs are like, "We didn't see it. Get back out." Yeah, yeah. Like if you could, like this was just nothing but moves and and storytelling with yeah. the, with the overarching kind of story, and I loved it. Uh, I thought this was the clear highlight of the show. Definitely. Yeah, it was. It got things off to a great start. The crowd was going friggin' wild, and uh, maybe they could like put like a like a a dot over the people that are legal. Legal. That'd be interesting. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Be some like that'd be like the first down line. Yeah, exactly. That would help for, me. Uh, tag team wrestling. It'd relieve some of my stress. Yeah. <laughs> Get John Madden in here to. Well, just because it's hard Tell to... straight on the screen. Yeah. It's really hard to believe the story, like, near-fall stories. Yeah. When you don't know who's legal and who's not. I just I just don't think about it. I know. Yeah. I agree, though. It was a great match. Okay, and it, it was even, like, it's it's more people than you want to keep track of, and you still enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. Tag Team Wrestling, go AEW. Yeah. After this match, we take kind of a breather and have a segment where Cody comes out to respond oh. to... Oh, I'm sorry. You probably didn't see the picture in picture. Oh, God damn it. Burned again. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 nothing. I was just going to... I figured you didn't see it. So the picture in picture this week is DDP doing his yoga. Hell yeah. Getting those uh, promos in. Yeah. Like backstage or just... Like backstage, yeah. Straight, you know, stretching before his big match. Oh, of course. Yeah. I didn't know if they just full on were like, do we want to go visit DDP yoga like studio? <laughs> do, are we going to show that off? No, but he had his like DDP yoga mat and, you know, all the other merch, mm-hmm. like a merch freak up there. Oh, fun sidebar that Andy should definitely cut. Um, I went to the gym last week. No, the week before. And there was definitely a dude there who was apparently uh, one of the fitness people who had a ddp yoga shirt on and was doing ddp yoga with a client and i was like i know what that is <laughs> that's cool that's awesome yeah, i guess they offer it which is i was like oh interesting mm-hmm. so it's getting around it's in ohio now very cool when i when i lived in cincinnati um people at work like had burned the cds or the dvds of the ddp yoga stuff it was going around the office. Really? Yeah. That, and I mean, that was a long time ago. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Did you have any idea like, what that meant? No. And then you so was a yoga person, I, right? I didn't put it together until like a month ago. Because <laughs> I remember <laughs> like the DDP yoga. And then like, um, even when you, even when you're talking about like when Brandy did her shot of Brandy at his yoga studio, I yeah. still didn't put it together. Until like a month ago, when you said the words together, DDP yoga. Yeah, oh, that's <laughs> funny. Like, oh my god, no, I know about this from like ten years ago. That's really funny. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> DDP, that advertising is apparently working. Yeah. The next segment we have is 
Cody coming out to respond to MJF, specifically his stipulations that he laid out uh, last week, I believe it was. And Cody has gone full Don Johnson in Miami (laughs) Vice for this particular segment, which is wonderful. It's wonderful. Sunny motherfucking Crockett out there. Yeah. I loved it. Ready to, like, uh, ruin some Coke deals. Yeah. It's my favorite look of the year. It's January. Yeah. Oh, you're declaring it right now? No, like, I think we might, we might need to start, like, a Beatty's list for next year so that we remember the stuff from, like, earlier in the year. But if you could, uh, start a Word doc. Okay. And you could write down Cody's Tom Johnson suit. Okay. I'd appreciate that. Definitely. And for anyone who doesn't know the Don Johnson Miami Vice reference, Cody is wearing a full-on white linen suit with a turquoise t-shirt underneath. And I believe he even has white slip-on shoes. So He does. No socks with those shoes. Well, yeah. no, you're, you're in Miami. Exactly. <laughs> no, he fully went for it, and I appreciate it. I loved it so much. It really, between that and his bleed blonde hair, he glowed in those lights. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. I, I mean, I think he should dress like that all the time. He, like, pulled that look off. And, like, the bleach blonde hair, I think. Anytime he has the bleach blonde hair, he needs to be in that suit. Okay. <laughs> it, it's nice to see him in a suit that's not corporate Cody. He's This is vacation Cody, so. <laughs> vacation Cody still wears the suit, though. <laughs> True. It's just not three pieces with a tie. Still looks good. Cody is here because, as he says, I asked MJF to name his price, and he has, and it's rather expensive. Now, to review the stipulations MJF laid out, uh, Cody puts these up on the Jumbotron, but I'll list them here for you. Cody cannot touch MJF until Revolution. He has to suffer 10 lashes on live television. And... He has to partake in a steel cage match against Wardlow. So Cody wants to run through these stipulations and just kind of talk through each one because I would argue two of them are very straightforward and one of them is insane. But (laughs) yeah, I think we all would. (laughs) But yeah, so Cody, uh, he starts with the one about a steel cage match with Wardlow and he kind of speculates that MJF's intention is to basically take a toll on Cody's body to soften him up because obviously we we haven't seen Wardlow, but a steel cage match is going to be more dangerous inherently than just a regular one. So he thinks that's the idea, but he is surprised because there's also the possibility that when we see Wardlow and what he can do, that maybe people will realize he's the dominant one in the group and MJF is kind of the weaker guy of the two of them. Potential's there. He's just saying. He goes on to address the Ten Lashes, the weirdest thing I've ever heard, ever. Um, And he says he understands the symbolism of them, but thinks that MJF is mistaken in his belief that physical harm is the worst thing that can come of this. Uh, Cody is sure that he's living rent-free inside MJF's head, And he's figured him out in the sense that he knows MJF wants to be famous and he prides himself on being an old school heel where less is more. But what Cody sees is that 
less is it more mjf is literally just lazy and he can't really back up what he's saying <laughs> so that's a thing and i i thought of jenny when this was happening because she hates mjf I do. <laughs> and doesn't hate this stipulation like this is the, like the worst thing i've ever heard as a stipulation for a wrestling match and like the symbolism like i don't i yeah the humiliation but I, it's just it's just so not right it brings up too much really bad shit that we shouldn't be bringing up. What are we, like, roots? Like, <laughs> is that what you think about? Not like Kunta Kente getting whipped. Huh? I, I never thought of that until just... Like, I feel really uncomfortable. Like, I really don't want to see this. Mm. I don't want to see anyone get whipped. I feel like any of the serious connotations of whipping go out the window when it's like two shirtless men in a wrestling ring and it for me crosses into more homoerotic territory and I'm like are we getting into like MJF's kinks here Which, are they getting into like SNM then is that what it's supposed to evoke that's where my mind went immediately and maybe that slavery. says more, more about me than you <laughs> wow we are very two different spectrums here I guess um yeah I, I either way whether it be slavery, which is super tasteless, or uh, sexual stuff, which is like, I'm not going to yuck your yum, but I don't really care to see it. It's going to come across on live television as incredibly corny. Yeah, it's going to look awful. I, they cannot do this. They're going I mean, to. I, th- that's the thing, though. Like, I think that... So it's either going to be the thing we talked about a few weeks ago, where Cody just, like uses the opportunity to, like, take it out on MJF. And then MJF is so mad and embarrassed that he takes the match anyway. I still don't want to see Cody whip him. Or, so, but that's the thing. Like, I don't think it's going to be corny because I think it's going to be, like, I think it's going to be pretty graphic. <laughs> like, I think you're going to hear that sound and I think you're going to see, like, I think you're going to see what it looks like when someone gets whipped with a belt ten times. I, I mean, I definitely agree if they go that route, if and which in some ways I hope they do. Yes, it won't be corny. That'll be more violent and perhaps just real in a way I'm, I'm also going to have feelings about. But if they try to do a segment where there literally is like Cody just sitting there and letting MJF whip him, it's going to be super corny. It. I mean, yes, from that perspective. Yeah, yeah you're right about that. So I do hope they go your way or something else interferes because I just don't see how you pull this off without it being stupid. I I don't see any scenario that this they're going to pull this off and I'm not going to be just like incredibly upset with whatever. It's either going to look, uh, I don't know. Well, we will find out because at the end, to wrap this all up, Cody does agree to the steel cage match and the no touching until revolution stipula- stipulations like immediately. He, he has no issues with them, but he does take a beat to think about the 10 lashes bit before agreeing to that as well. So he has officially said he's he's signed on for all three stipulations. So I guess we're going to get a Wardlow steel cage match first, I would assume. I think they announced it. Yeah, it's uh, it's gonna be in Atlanta on February eighteenth. Okay. They're Did running they an- the they're running the big building for that show. 
All right. That's a that's the I think I believe that's the NBA arena. That's the twenty thousand seater. Oh wow! Yeah, you need well, that's room Cody's hometown. Mm-hmm. Room for that cage. For that cage, and I you know, I don't know what kind of setup they're going to do there. I don't I don't <laughs> I don't think that's going to be I don't think they're going to do great there. I oh, think they're like... gonna I think they're going to get like five in that building. Oh really? Yeah. Why? I mean, they're done, you know they're they're past the point where they're selling out all the time now. Well, yeah, but like, aren't they getting more than five thousand? Mm, that's the last couple of weeks. Really? I think they had like three in Memphis. <gasps> wow. Yeah. I wonder how they're going to frame that with the camera because on normal shows, it's very easy to focus on kind of the one side mostly. But if you're lowering a steel cage down, I, I maybe I'm just picturing WWE events, but they kind of come at it from the top, right? So they're kind of showing an overhead view. It's harder yeah. to hide empty seats. Yeah. Although if you're overhead, you're probably only like, going to be showing the first few rows around, rows around each side. You, you can get those filled. They'll probably black them out, so they probably won't have the light. They'll probably turn off the lights and have all of the lights on the cage. Yeah. So I mean, it'll probably it'll probably look good on TV, but they're probably I'm sure there'll be some embarrassing pictures going around on social media of. And that large? Why are they running that large of a venue? They're just. I, I think Cody felt strongly that that's what he wanted to do in his hometown, and that they could, you know, that they could, right. that they could that they could do something. I mean, maybe it'll be wrong. Maybe they'll get ten in there and like. And, you know, if they're going to set up for, like, 12000 then that'll look pretty damn good. But, yeah. You know. It is the first AEW Steel Cage match, so if you want to see that live. Yeah, and it's the first time in the market, so they, they could surprise us. I mean, JR told us that the only way to see it was to go to Atlanta. And then, except for TV. he remembered TV existed. <laughs> I guess if you want to turn your television on, that's an option, too. Yeah. Uh. I I loved the promo. I thought it was, you know, like Cody is Cody's stock and trade is great babyface promo, so Yeah, he continues to be awesome at it. Yeah. Well, do you want to take a total one eighty and go backstage with Joey Janella? Not really, but yeah, sure. You're going to. The <laughs> show did and you're going to. Um Joey Janella is here. And we're in twenty twenty now. It's a new decade. We're all doing great. But he started the decade out with a ball punch by his ex-girlfriend, so that was a little rough. It wasn't so much a ball punch as, like, an arm uppercut. An uppercut? Yeah, she kind of, she went between the legs, had her arm. It was like a, it was like a forearm to the balls, I guess. Thank you. Yeah. That's how China used to do the low blow. Okay. Yeah. I, I just think that for our listeners specifically, Amanda, we really need to get the accuracy of what this ball hit was yeah no you're right and if we want to further break it down which i do (laughs) i want to say that i totally get the forearm thing when you're in the ring and it's live but this was pre-taped she could have just placed her hand in a way that implied a punch instead of like here is the kayfabe move we do to avoid actual ball punches Mm. right i think she was coming at it from behind though so that would be a hard angle should have just came around the front and kicked him. Yeah, that would have been better. Yeah. I feel Either bad way, for her, she probably thought she was like done with the part of her life where she had to touch that part of his anatomy. I don't. Yeah, no one should have to touch a ball when they don't want to touch a ball. I mean, look forward to more of it because this is an angle that is happening. So <laughs> maybe that's why she went the forearm. Yeah. Then she didn't actually have to feel it. Yeah. 
I mean, we'll have time for all this in-depth ball analysis when this plays out over the next few weeks, I'm sure. Uh, for now, though, she what happened was she did that. She forearm, forearmed, uppercutted, slash whatever, into his balls. He was in pain. He seems like he's still pretty mad about it. And he's also kind of maintaining the storyline that he wants nothing to do with Penelope, but believes that she knows that he's the only way to get herself over. So that's fun. Um, I don't know. I think if you want nothing to do with her, then you don't accuse that of her every single week of saying that you're the only reason that she's on TV and in this company. Like that's just going to antagonize her. Yeah, but it's like an easy insult, you know, just to say Mm -hmm. you're not here on your own merits and you continue to not do work on your own merits. Yeah. No, you're right. It's unfortunate, but that's the stand he's taking here. So I'm I'm sure she'll have an answer to this, but this was backstage with just him. So he said that, and I guess to prove that he has a reason to be here and has skills that we just all don't appreciate, he has gotten himself a match with Ray Phoenix next week, which I, I was like, wow, you are hitting above your weight level here. Yeah, he is. <laughs> okay. We'll see how it goes next week, though. Mm-hmm. One of the most mediocre slash low-end wrestlers versus one of the best wrestlers in the world. How I mean, like, how do you think it will play out? Do you think that they're going to have just a straightforward match? Or do you think there's going to be some sort of angle to either cut this short or do something to make it a little different? Because to me, if you just... No issues, Ray Phoenix versus Joey Janela, straightforward match. I It doesn't seem like that should last very long. Yeah, I mean, I think Joey's going to try to knock it in the way of Ray having a match. And then Penelope's <laughs> going to come out and punch him in the balls again. That's kind okay. of what I thought. I thought, I figured, like, there will be some kind of Penelope and or Kip mm-hmm. involvement to further that along. Yeah, and probably cut the match short, like you said, Megan. Okay, but I'm, I mean, when Joey Janela fought with Kenny Omega, he just tried hard not to get in the way of the match the yeah. whole time. It was really yeah. good. Eh. They had a really good one. Eh. Yeah, it was okay. Okay. I'm not necessarily rooting for Janela to fail because I want an entertaining match to watch, but it does surprise me that of all the people on the roster, he has chosen to pick a fight with Ray Phoenix. It's just the styles are so different. I don't think it's going to work. Well, hopefully we're all pleasantly surprised by whatever happens, be it interference or a legitimate match. It hurts me because it's like, could we get any lower? And the answer is yes. (laughs) And that is the next match that we will be talking about. Um, Between Brandi Rhodes and her girl Mel... Facing off against Chris Statlander and Hikaru Shida. The, I believe they're the second and third? Or maybe... Shida's number one. Uh, I thought they were the top contenders. They're the top two contenders. Okay, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Um, so... Oh, yeah, because uh, Riho doesn't get a number. No, she's just champion. Yeah, so they're one and two. Okay, so those two 
which, you know, good guy team. I think it's a solid good guy team. But they are facing off against the Nightmare Collective. And happily for everyone, Chris Statlander and Hikaru Shida, their teamwork is solid. And they get the win when Chris pins Mel after doing the Big Bang Theory, which was quite a feat because Mel, she's a tall drink of water. Yeah, Mel's really tall. She's so tall. Yeah, and Chris got her up and didn't kill her. Yeah. Yeah, um, no, that's the thing is Chris is super tall, and then even Chris was kind of dwarfed by Mel picking her up. Yeah. So, um, Awesome Kong was supposed to be in this match, but like Andy and I had said last week that she was moving really slow and looked like she was just in pain the whole time she was mm-hmm. uh, doing her her match. And we had even talked about like the glow storyline of her character in glow that was like drinking a bottle of rose with a handful of pills every morning and we hoped that she was not doing that but it did look like she was in quite a lot of pain but she was pulled from the match i believe that day yeah i don't think there was much time to um pivot and so brandy had to wrestle and brandy who has a lot of talents doesn't seem like wrestling is maybe her foremost talent. Yeah. yeah. So I, I listened to you last week and I was very surprised because I didn't realize that Awesome Kong had, I, I'm assuming, back issues? Yeah, she's got a okay. really bad back. And she's had a bad back for about 10 years. Oh, wow. Okay. I mean, it just looked like the last time we saw her, like, she was in pain walking. Yeah. Like, crouching to get into the ring looked like it was painful Mm -hmm. like all of the moves looked slow and painful yeah she i think i just in my mind attributed that to her kind of monster character where it's like i don't know maybe i i thought the shuffle was like a like i'm coming to get you sort of thing but that, that that really sucks to learn i hope she's okay and also like you said not downing painkillers with rosé but i imagine she's got better better forms of medicine than on glow also isn't doing seven shows a week right true I mean, she's wrestling probably once every two months maybe yeah i yeah. don't know for other companies i don't but think she is aew yeah. she's you know only doing a match every few months isn't she one who has a um back office job as well yeah yeah oh okay. good that's good so she has insurance yeah. That's really good. Okay. Guys, I think Mel's a bad wrestler. That's when you... Well, thank you, Jenny, because I didn't know who replaced Awesome Kong. I was like, is it Brandy or Mel? Because either way, <laughs> how would that have gone? Yeah, so Brandy replaced Awesome Kong. Um, but So Mel was supposed to wrestle either way. Mel cannot take a move. Like, she... It, it was rough. Like, I... I was, so we had our friend Dave over, and at the beginning when Sheeta came out, I was like, oh, I think you're really going to like Sheeta. Like, you know, I really like Sheeta. I think she's really fun and and cool to watch. And she looked so bad, and I'm not blaming Sheeta. I'm blaming Mel. Yeah. Because it was awful, and I've seen plenty of really good Sheeta matches. The audience was silent this whole time. Like, this was a terrible match. It was a bad match, and there's just, like, no... I don't think there's any investment in the the Nightmare Collective storyline. No. Um, 
I will say, though, from a canonical standpoint, Mel is supposedly just this crazed fan who was in the stands a few weeks ago. So I guess she shouldn't know how to wrestle very well. But they, they didn't <laughs> play up that storyline. Like, if she's this bad of a wrestler, they should have been playing up that storyline. This is her first match, yeah. 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 <laughs> they didn't say any of that. Yeah. Now, Mel, like, the, she's an indie wrestler, right? Or, or came from yeah. that? Yeah, she's like a Chicago area indie wrestler. Okay, because I thought she had experience, but after seeing this, I wondered just how much experience she did have. She can't. I mean, she's really tall, and I like the shaved head look. Mm-hmm. But, oh god. I thought the for the match itself. I thought like so. This had a commercial break in it, and I thought that it did get a lot better after the commercial break. And I don't really know why, but it just. I don't know. Like they seem to actually start like clicking a little better after that. Like, yeah. But early going, it was very rough. I think Chris Statlander clicked a little bit better with the terrible Mel than Sheeta. Yeah. I, I just don't think Sheeta could get her to do anything and Chris is larger, so I think she was just able to like move Mel's body more. Maybe. Yeah. Than Sheeta, so it yeah. looked a little bit better. Do you guys would you guys agree with that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good like interpretation. Because I I was sad partly too because I like Chris and Hikaru and having them work together seemed like a really cool prospect. And then it just sucked because it looked like they were both doing extra work to try to make their opponents fit into what was happening. And it just, right. it was rough. It was really rough. <laughs> I mean, this, this this looked like like the early on women's matches. Yeah. Like, And I don't think that we've seen this bad of a women's match in a while. Probably since like Brandy versus Allie or something yeah, like that. Yeah, like, oh, that's those, those rough. Yeah. Um, I did want to highlight, because in Tag Gate 19-20, it goes on, um, there was a point where Mel clapped her hands together to simulate a fake tag while the ref was distracted. Mm-hmm. And this was done because she was in like too far away to make a legit tag from her corner. And JR takes a second to call out that he does not understand the psychology of it. If you've got the advantage, which... Brandy did in the moment. Just make the tag. Are you that <laughs> emotional to be a cheater? And I was like, "What, <laughs> Jr? Are, are you that emotional?" Yeah, I immediately are was you like, that "Bitches be crazy, right?" That all women are cheaters. <laughs> all women are so lazy that they can't walk the four steps over to the side of the ring to slap in their opponent. That or or they're so dumb that they think that like. Cheating is the way to go. I mean, you're not allowed to walk over to the other corner, Jenny. That's cheating. <laughs> Jim Ross just can't help himself sometimes. It was the uh-huh. emotional thing. I'm like, would you say that about, like, the Bucks? Nope. It, no. no. The word emotional is used about women and typically is used, I've had it used to me before in a business sense, and it is a, oh, it's frustrating. Oh. It's very oh. frustrating. Uh, so I wanted to call that out just because, A, I was mad about that part of it in particular. But also, like, if we're keeping track of all the weird tag drama that goes on in AEW, this is a moment where somebody legitimately cheated and got away with it. So where are we at with that, guys? Where is the Where are the refs at? I'm just not sure the tone this company is uh, trying to set with tagging. 
but yeah. Much like much like the uh, the legal man thing, I've just kind of decided I don't care about it because they clearly don't. Fair. Yeah. Totally fair. And I'm just amused when Jim Ross yells about it. Mm. Yeah. He's very invested. Guys, it just... It gets a little better, I want to say. Oh, I, yeah. I, I, I almost, like this. I like yeah. this commercial. Yeah, I almost wanted to go, you know, we got the Nightmare Collective, so let's throw the Dark Order in. But um, I think this is one of the weeks where they do okay, and largely because this is a video package that is pre-taped and does not involve some sort of entering beatdown. Hey, what is it with them doing, like, this is two weeks in a row, though, where they've done the Nightmare Collective and the Dark Order segment back-to-back. Like, why... Why not, like, split the spooky cults up a little bit? I think they're doing it because they know they're both not getting over. So why why not just, like... Kill one quarter hour instead of two? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. You don't need to hurt your ratings. Yeah, you don't need to hurt your quarter ratings. And you don't need to, like, piss off your fans twice. Like, they're already annoyed that they're having to watch the Nightmare Collective. So, like, get the other thing that's probably going to annoy them out of the way. Yeah. Yeah, although this, this Dark Order video, we were back to the roots of good stuff that I... And Andy, I think both really like. Um, we get to see the man who has been the face of the Dark Order in all the other promo video commercials. Mm-hmm. He's giving a PowerPoint presentation to what we can only assume is the true leader of the Dark Order, the one we don't have any idea who it is yet. <laughs> we hope. I- I'm into that. I think, his they- was, I think his name is Blofeld. Um, <laughs> yes. We haven't seen a cat yet, but you know he's just sitting in his chair, just petting his cat. It's fine. Yeah, we've been watching too much Chase Pond lately. This was good. Like you're right, Megan. I know you haven't recapped it yet, but like, I yes, I like I like the high tech cult uh, aspect of the Dark Order, and not so much like the the wrestling match beatdown version of the Dark Order. Yeah, I, I feel like the wrestling component of it cheapens what they've set up in the video component which i know there's a way to reconcile that but the way they're doing it isn't it so i hope i hope they kind of get it together maybe they Um, should just have their wrestling matches pre-taped like snl when you have a host (laughs) that can't really act yeah yeah (laughs) oh um yeah i don't i don't know i feel like i thought the um like Bray Wyatt and crew were were pretty cool in NXT in the way they handled the cult there. I, I just think that the Dark Order in ring stuff needs to be finessed a little more, and instead of just throwing a bunch of dudes in a ring beating up a bunch of other dudes. It, See, that's the thing. Like with the Bray Wyatt vignettes, it was just like it was a bunch of creepy uh, swamp people who were like you know like and sometimes there'd be like alligator imagery and i could like imagine all of those people like getting in a wrestling ring and like and beating people up like these are this took place in a boardroom you know (laughs) it's like yeah it's like what why why do they care about wrestling matches they were like recruiting nerds earlier yeah in the initial videos like those aren't wrestlers yeah i mean clearly not they're six inches from the face yeah yeah maybe they just need to do better at tying that that story part of it together. Cause you do make a good point. Like, but also the Bray Wyatt stuff, like whenever the, their cult showed up, it was three guys, you know, that's totally yeah. more believable than, Oh, let me get my like squad of uh, creepers to show up here. Like 
I, it almost cheapens it in that we don't know who the creepers are, so I don't really believe your cult has that much pull. Like, show me the important people. Give me Scientology. I want everyone in that ring to matter in some way. You, you want, like, some version of David Miscavige out there? like? Yes. <laughs> uh so okay, so my big, my only real problem with this is like in the in this promo, they specifically called out that they were trying to recruit Michael Nakazawa, Brandon Cutler, and Hangman Page, and they kind of went through all of the Kenny and Kenny as well. Well, yeah, uh, but like so, yeah, so they were like kind of like oh, and we used Nakazawa to get to Kenny, but anyway, so that's great, but why did we see that, and why won't everyone who was targeted in that promo like be? even more on guard and unwilling than they were before. Maybe it's like dark. So maybe the wrestlers can't see what happened in the video package on dynamite. Just like the fans can't see what happened on dark on dynamite. Mm. Yeah. This is just for us fans. I really don't like that. Like, I I think that's the kind of thing you can get away with on Lucha underground because of the way that that show is structured, but not on, like a more traditionally formatted wrestling show where you're assuming that everyone is watching the show. Right. Yeah, that's true. I I do think, yeah, like I agree. I also think this is the story beat makes sense, but you're right. The delivery is weird. Yeah. Like this, this seemed like it should have been like some clandestine meeting that we would have no, you know, have no way of actually watching. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I hope the Dark Order levels out and, and ends up being entertaining. That's I, I think it will be. I have faith in Matt Hardy. I don't. All right. I do. I think when he shows up, it's about to get wild. <laughs> I'm very excited. Because he's a cult leader that will wrestle. Mm-hmm. Okay, moving on. We're getting back into the groove with some matches we actually like. Uh, Sammy Guevara is facing off against John Moxley. And if I was the inner circle, I might not send my smallest member, but mm-hmm. that's just me. Uh, John Moxley wins. Unsurprisingly, he submits Sammy after Sammy jumps off the top rope and he, he gets him in a hold. So did not come through for Chris Jericho, his dad, his, his mentor. Poor this guy. is the match. I felt like, was too long like not that it was a bad match it it was good i i enjoyed it but your level of caliber between john moxley and sammy guevara like yep moxley gave him way too much i i don't know what you call it like time or moves that he sold and everything i just like this not i didn't think it was going to be a smash them but i thought it was it was going to be like max five minutes like just showing like Moxley like beating him down. Yeah, it was I, not like that. I kind of thought the angle was going to be like sacrificial lamb, Sammy. Yeah, I mean, Sammy did squats with John Moxley on his back during the picture in picture. Like, what? Yeah, like that's, I continue like, to miss out. Yeah, like that's like that's not the tone you want to set for John Moxley that like someone can like pick you up and do like squats with you on your back. Like Mm -hmm. that's, I don't know. I didn't feel like it was the right. No, I also thought that you thought that Mox should have had a more dominant win here. Yeah. I agree. 
I, I really thought that if they were going to do a competitive match, that they should have finally sent Jake Hager in. I hate him, but I can believe that he could hold his own. I'm not sure we're ever going to get to see him wrestle. Oh, I didn't I didn't hate him after his, his line later in the show, but we'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I still... Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm separating the art from the artist. <laughs> I am unfortunately unable to in this particular situation. <laughs> I mean, I'll agree with you. We'll get to it later. He is entertaining, but I yeah. still hate him. Yeah, so um, beyond the match itself, like John Moxley, when he made his appearance, he drove near the stage in his banana sports car that he stole from the inner circle. That's right. I, yep. He, he got from the street to the stage somehow uh, with it, but he did that. He, he did win. And I agree with Jenny. There was way too much offense from Guevara, but after the match, Chris Jericho, his music hits. And we assume we're going to get to see the champion mad that his boy lost, but instead the lights go out. And when they come back on, like minutes later, the rest of the inner circle is in the ring with Moxley. And because Moxley is a loose cannon and gives no fucks about anything, he looks at all of them. It's four versus one. And he's like, whatever, and runs into the fray. So the announcers he, were like, he's surrounded. And it's like, but he wasn't. They're all on one side, and he's like, he has was his, on the side. He with has the his ramp. back to the entrance. Like, he, he legit could have, could have run. Run at the ramp. Yeah, yeah, but you're right, Megan. That's not his way. So. Right. Oh, and but don't say, like, the announcer shouldn't have said he's surrounded because he clearly wasn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, we, I would never expect Moxley to run away from anything, but the announce team annoyed me. <laughs> yeah. No, he uh, he definitely had an out and was like, no, thank you. And he, he runs headfirst in, but unfortunately, like, as good as Moxley is, there are four of them. And so it doesn't super work out in his favor here. Uh, he gets beat up in various ways. Um, Jake Hager, he locks him up in a hold with like his arm and uh, up near his face and around his neck. And then uh, Jericho beats him up with the championship belt. Um, Santana and Ortiz hold him up so that Hager can basically like do a running kick to the balls. That's right, his MMA finishing move. That's not, <laughs> that that's not legal. I mean, that's, that's how his how, last that's how his last fight ended. So. Didn't he kick that person in the balls like three times? And he he need him. Call... He need him. Yeah. Don't you get in trouble? Eventually, they eventually called it a no contest. Like I, I saw the the thing. It was like it was very clearly an accident. He was like he was clinching with a guy against the cage, and he was going for knees to like the. He was trying to like soften up his his abdominal region, and the guy and the guy was you know he was squirming around and moving. It was. It was very clear he wasn't trying to, like, hit him in the balls. But he's taken it and run with it for pro wrestling, so I appreciate that. <laughs> All right. Yeah. And I would argue that there are four and a half people against Moxley. I'd give Jericho's coat at least a half person, maybe even a full person. How did he possibly get that through airport security? All those, those spikes. Are, those are plastic. They don't look plastic. Are they, I'm sure they're plastic. They're right, plastic. But... As someone who bought a lot of studded belts in my high school days, <laughs> they're all plastic. <laughs> Is your first charge card a Hot Topic branded one? 
No, I couldn't get credit when I was a 16-year-old. <laughs> I didn't go to Hot Topic. <laughs> I'm not proud. Uh, <laughs> yeah, those spikes are plastic. And they come into play because uh, Jericho does remove one from his jacket. And he, he goes ahead and he stabs Moxley in the eye. And it is such a safe punch. Respect to Jericho. Uh, the camera angle was real bad for him, but I'm glad he didn't actually try to blind his fellow wrestler. It's a real, real Glenn Jacobs style move there. Yeah, <laughs> there was a lot of distance, um, but yeah. but Moxley plays it up very well. He grabs his eye. He doesn't let you see that there's no actual wound there. He's he's all you know destroyed by this. Um, the announcers do make a note that no one's going to come to save Moxley because he has no friends in the locker room, just solidifying his kind of lone wolf status here. But the refs will. They finally make it out to the ring. And a doctor comes out to check on Moxie's eye. And there is a moment on public television. Well, not, you know, like cable television. Where I definitely heard Moxley say, he stabbed me in the fucking eye. So yeah. Did not catch that. I heard that, that too. <laughs> Love it. Because we know it's fake, but he's real committed. So that's how uh, the segment ends. Is For me, I'm sure there's a picture-in-picture thing going on but for me it was like the inner circle the refs didn't exactly chase them away they just kind of were like get out of here and then all of the inner circle stood at the ring ropes and just were like we're still here so tough for moxley good angle though yeah very good yeah it's one of those things where like jericho actually got like some real heel heat afterwards like people were not people were not thrilled about it and you know usually he gets kind of a People like Chris Jericho, you know. Right. It's, yeah. I think it's it's difficult for him to get real like negative because, reaction. Well, we can follow his heat backstage because <laughs> the next segment is um, Jen Decker, bless her heart, trying to do her reporter duties. She's good. And she she's, is. She's she's good in a difficult role. Yeah. Well, she approaches the inner circle, posts them doing that whole segment of beating up a man and tries to interview this rowdy crew of bad men. Um, Jericho doesn't give her the chance, really. He, he like, grabs the mic. Or maybe he doesn't grab the mic. I feel like he aggressively is on the mic, though. And it's just like, it's not my fault. It's not our fault. This is all on John Moxley. He declined our friend request, and we're mad about it. Okay. Um, <laughs> so... He implies that they're going to keep an eye on him, but, like, they're done with him, but also, like, they're going to keep an eye on him. So, basically, they're just going to, like, be that guy that stalks his ex online. Uh, so, you know, we could get back to that. But in the meantime, Pac and Darby Allen should be thanking him, he says, because the winner of their match, which is this evening, is going to face John Moxley in a number one contenders match next week so Jer- jericho has basically helped them out by beating up john moxley and then he also he can't get away without issuing a warning to jurassic express because he's after them too um and they're wrestling next week on the boat yep so watch out uh and that, that, with this they leave and this is where <laughs> hager has like this expression on his face. He, like, breaks constantly. He's like Jimmy Fallon on SNL. He just cannot keep it together. But he just, like, grins and goes, arr, on his way out because they talked about the cruise and he's a pirate. Damn and, right he did. Uh, yeah. And uh, Jen is there 
still kind of reeling from this, and Sammy does a gross, like, gives her a one-over, like, up and looks her up and down and goes, hit me up, and then he leaves. So she Ugh. just, she's just, hmm. it's good she survived this whole scenario. <laughs> I like, I see, I, I like Sammy as, like, like, just, like, the clueless guy who thinks he's really hot shit, but nobody actually likes him. Yeah. Yeah, he's awesome at it. I mean, yeah. he's like a reality star. But like, Sammy, you need money to get girls like that. You know, if you're going to act like that, like you need to like back that shit up with money. Wow. You need to temper your obnoxiousness and creepiness with cash. <laughs> Watch Millionaire Matchmaker. If those guys can do it, you can probably find someone. Apologies to Sammy's real life girlfriend, his high school sweetheart, as I Pam. understand it. Yeah, okay. Pam. Okay. After that, we return to the ring and we are going to have a match with the Butcher, the Blade, accompanied by the Bunny, and MJF facing off against QT Marshall, Dustin Rhodes, and DDP. Can we just say, like, DDP refers to his daughters as the Diamond Daughters. <laughs> uh, it's family name. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I guess. It's so cringy. Oh. There, um, maybe I was probably not the audience for this one because there was a lot of cringy stuff in here. Uh, the winner ended up being MJF and his whole squad uh, because he rolled up QT Marshall. But I will say uh, for the production guys, the pin happens when the live show is up in a little small window and in a larger window is a replay happening of something DDP is doing. So the pin happened and I was kind of surprised by it because I was like, what the hell happened? But I don't know if that was just me. No, I mean, I was able to like ascertain what happened, but it was, it's, it's always annoying when they miss the, when, you know, when they miss the, uh, the pen. This yeah. production team is has some it's very disappointing still on a because, learning curve. Yeah, it's very disappointing because they've had they've had what this show started at the beginning of october yeah they've had three and a half months to, to know, work out these kinks you they're know? still struggling every show there's uh, like not missing a pin every show but they miss a dive every show yeah like it's well, or you see another cameraman in a shot like multiple times throughout like I don't know. I I think the production team is still. It's starting. It's starting to, and I hate that it's doing this, but it's starting to make me think that maybe the WWE method of the guys telling the can the, the directors exactly what where they're going to do their dive. Maybe that's the best way to do it. I, I liked. I liked in theory the idea of that they're going to shoot this like a sport and just try to like yeah follow the action, but it's not. They're not capturing it. Yeah. Maybe they need like. I, I'm sure they would probably have like a three or five second delay or something for to bleep out the fucks, but except for the yeah. eye thing, my yeah, fucking eye. They missed that one, <laughs> but like maybe they need like a thirty second delay to make sure that they got the right the right camera being shown, because it seems like they have enough cameras down there. Maybe mm. they need one more, but I, I just think maybe they need a rule where like if somebody's on the top rope. Focus on that camera. Yeah. I, no, I that's know. a good point. Also, like, 
Jenny, what you're talking about is definitely a problem. Lots of dives missed. This was the freaking end of the match. Like, I would expect the production team to know when the end of the match is going to happen. Agreed. This is a big fuck up. All right, here's the part where I'm going to say good things about this match. Wait. Um, Wait, I have another bad thing I want to say about okay. the match. I, I was going to say, I think we really need to get Jenny's opinion on something, and she's probably going to talk about it right now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so MJF yep. wore a shirt. Yep. And it was quite a shirt. It's a bad shirt. It said, I banged Dallas's daughter. Okay. This isn't going to make this much better, but <laughs> the the banged part is is a pun on DDP's like catchphrase. What's his catchphrase? Feel the bang, and the bang is like when he does his... The bang is like getting hit with a diamond cutter, basically. It doesn't make it better. Okay. This was I, like just, the... I thought you should have all the information, though. Thank you. Yeah. This was like... Uh, I, I frequently defend MJF when Jenny drags him down for being a heel, and I think that his like... Uh, caricature of being like a jock heel is generally pretty good. This was where I was like, nah, fuck this. That's real bad. I don't like that. He has issues with women. He's a misogynistic asshole. And I believe that he thinks these things in real life. Otherwise, it wouldn't come off so bad in his character portrayal. I, I don't think he necessarily is like this in real life, but I think even as a show, like, that crossed the line and I didn't like it. I hated it. Andy, would you like to talk about the good parts? <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to get all the negative stuff out of the way. Because I feel like it, We're we not sandwiching it. We're not, like, compliment sandwiching this match. I I really liked the way they structured this, where, where MJF was in the ring at first and he was going to start with Dallas, but... But like obviously he 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 was like no 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 I'm not doing that so he tagged he tagged the butcher in and then so DDP tagged out and then so MJF immediately tagged back in as soon as there was somebody else in the ring I liked I liked that tease because you know the the draw of this match is DDP wrestling on TV for the first time in like forever and you you know you make the fans wait a little bit for it and want it a little more I thought that was smart I thought I was shocked at how over QT Marshall was like I don't know how he's like gotten any kind of following, but like people actually seem to like him. Uh, Dustin is great. Dustin's always great. Um, I liked the spot where uh, MJF got the diamond ring from Wardlow and he like used it, and then he like get, passed it back to Wardlow behind the ref's back. I thought that was really smart. I loved when they finally made the hot tag to DDP and he went crazy doing his like clotheslines and he would like duck and spin around and like he hit diamond cutters and. And then he did like the, the, the like the big dive sequence, and Dallas even did a, a, a plunge outside. I also thought like at sixty three years old, dude looked amazing. He did look really good. Yeah, yoga. yoga. Yeah, he didn't even look slow. You know, like he like he, I you know. So I had a blast watching this, and it was nice. It was nice to see him again, and uh, I just thought I thought the way that they structured the match was really sound. Yeah, I'm I'm I have, don't have issue with the match. It was just MJF's shirt at the beginning but yeah <laughs> the ring just... thing was good i will say because you know that's his prize and he's already using it for nefarious means good for him yeah yeah jenny what were you gonna say i don't know i just think he... <laughs> mjf is just he just crosses too many lines it's just not it's it's not my cup of tea 
But the the match was good. DDP definitely got um, a very large pop at his hot tag. So yes, he did, man. Yep. I think I think that that was. I think as far as like his role in the show, I think that probably went better than anybody could have anticipated. Yeah, and for uh, Ball Watch 2020, MJF did manage to get a low blow on TDP, but you know, luckily, Dustin was there to help set MJF up for a diamond cutter right after that happened. So it That's was, right. uh, yeah, revenge was had. So Jen Decker's back, and this time with a more deserving group of young men who are nice and not um, being creepy to her. Mm-hmm. SEU. Scorpio Sky dressed as a Nintendo Switch. <laughs> I liked his sweatshirt. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I saw I saw that jacket and I was like, he looks like he looks like the uh, he looks like Joy Cons. And <laughs> and then like a couple like yesterday he tweeted out, he's like, I don't really play video games much, but apparently I look like a Nintendo Switch. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's so adorable that he didn't even know. Yeah, he just thought he had a fly jacket on. Aw, Scorpio, you precious boy. Well, Jen asks Scorpio, you know, in his Switch cosplay, she asks him about the upcoming tag team title match, but he doesn't get a chance to even answer um, because our boy has been drinking, Adam Page, wanders in. (laughs) He spills, he has a glass in his hand, of course, because... That, that is who he is these days. And he spills the contents of his glass on Christopher Daniels' shirt. Um, he's just being kind of a drunk Adam. He wandered off, and Kenny runs in, and he comes to collect his friend, and he makes all the apologies you would, uh, and then says he's looking forward to their match next week because, as we remember, Kenny and Adam won the number one contender spot, so they will be facing SEU. But <sighs> Kenny has to pick up his boy and get him out of there. Um, SCU, I think, are pretty understanding of Kenny, but they're mad at Adam. Christopher Daniels is like, yo, are you going to do my dry cleaning of my t-shirt that you ruined? You <laughs> <laughs> got a so, jacket on, you know. Like yeah. A little spillage there. So, uh, so I guess this is the headspace we have Adam Page in, and also I, Kenny just running around trying to clean up after him. But, uh, these teams are going to fight, and one of them is going to come away with the championship. What do you think is going to happen, Megan? I'm really torn because I don't, I don't know. Like, it seems like SU could lose the titles at this point. I feel like we've gotten into that zone where okay, I I would believe that they lost. I feel like all the other times it was a little too early. It didn't quite. I wasn't quite convinced that they could give up the titles. Um, my only reservation on this one is Adam and Kenny are not like primarily a tag team. So I wonder if they would give it to them. But they have been lately. Lately, yes, but there's so um there's so many other official teams in AEW that it would be kind of surprising to me if the first loss of the championship is to two singles wrestlers that are currently teaming because <laughs> You know, they are. You know what's, like, I, what I've been thinking about um, is, you know, we, we spent some time, I think a couple shows ago, we were kind of trying to figure out what what is the Bucks program for the pay-per-view? Like, 
there's no, there's like, we're still a few, you know, we're still a while out, but like they've got no direction. And now I'm starting to think maybe Omega versus Page won't happen at the pay-per-view. Maybe it'll be Omega versus and Page defending the tag team titles against the Young Bucks at the pay-per-view. I don't think so. Cause I think ultimately where they're going with this Omega Page storyline mm-hmm. is that Page is going to turn. Yeah, but but you don't need to give them. I think you can have him turn without giving them the belts. I think it's easier to have him turn without having the belts. Well, I, I was thinking they would lose the belts to the Bucks, and that would cause the split. Yeah, but I don't think you should do that to SCU because I don't know. Like you're gonna move your tag team titles within three months. And put them on someone whose team is about to fall apart and then have them lose them a month later. I don't know that that's what you want to... I don't know that's the story you want to tell for your belts. I don't know. I think that's the story that I would be interested in seeing. I think it would be an interesting story. I just don't think that that gives your belt prestige. Do you think that maybe another option is like Kenny and Adam as technically still part of the elite have this opportunity and maybe Adam does something or maybe Kenny does something and whatever somehow this causes Adam to full on like break out of the elite and turn heel and like simultaneously start a campaign against them of like he just goes full force against the members instead So, so that would be that would be Wednesday you're talking right I guess, yeah, because it's it's kind of weird to me that they would get the belts. So I could picture a storyline that involves them failing to get the belts because of some inner turmoil that then like mushrooms out into other stuff. Like like this is ground zero of the explosion where Adam is like, I'm done with all of you, and also I hate all of you, and I'm coming for all of you. I will I will say this like statistically, so. Yes, they are not, like, we don't think of them as, like, being this full-time tag team, right? But there have been 15 episodes of Dynamite, and they have teamed up six times. Oh, wow. But do they have a team name? <laughs> I've asked that, too. That's, that, that would be, like, that's, like, the Jason Spencer qualification. <laughs> like, do they have matching tights? Do they have a team name? If not, not a real tag team. <laughs> yeah. Call me when they have a team name, okay? You guys have teamed together for 40% of the show, but you don't have a name together, so. Mm -hmm. To me, that's like you're casually dating. You haven't made it official, okay? That's right. And I'm looking at this, actually. They've teamed for the first time on episode three, so so really it's been six times in 13 episodes. Mm. So so there, I I would, you know, I, I... I kind of expect them to win the titles on Wednesday. Wow. Yeah. I think that would be a big thing for the crews to, like, you know. To have the titles switch hands. Yeah. But, like, obviously, Jericho's not going to lose his title on the crews. Um, He's not even defending it. Yeah. Yeah. He refuses to. (laughs) He's got a contract, Megan. I've seen the lexicon. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so that's kind of what I'm... So, so if you were going to make official predictions, who wins on Wednesday? SCU or Hangman and Kenny? Was this going to be a champagne bet? Do you want it to be a champagne bet? 
no. Because okay. I'm not confident in my answer. <laughs> okay. So, so I don't want to have to buy another bottle of champagne. No, that's okay. According to you, we never pay up anyway. Wow. <laughs> so what's your what's your what's your non-champagne huh. binding pick then? I'm gonna pick SCU. Okay, Megan. I'm gonna pick SCU. Okay. And you're gonna pick Megan Page. Yeah, I'm picking a Megan Page. This is I think, exciting. Because I, I think that, I think, like, what a what an amazing, like, semi-main event underneath Jericho versus Moxley for for uh, that pay-per-view would be the Young Bucks versus Omega and Page. Yeah, I mean, that'd be, I'd love to see that. Yeah. Yeah, to be clear, I think that either way this plays out, it's going to be good. I just, I don't know. They don't have a team name, so I'm going with SEU. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. Now I'm trying to think of a team name. Sorry. All right. You guys ready to talk main event? Yeah. Good. Because the main event is Pack versus Darby Allen. And in case you forgot, the winner of this match will go on to face John Moxley for the world championship title number one contender spot next week. When Pac walked out, his Chiron was, will Kenny Omega obsession affect his focus tonight? <laughs> I caught that too, Megan. I liked that. I love it. It's so good. Um, it's a fair question. But, as we find out at the end of this match, it doesn't, because Pac wins by pinning Darby Allen after he does the Black Arrow. Oh, um, oh wait, yeah. wait, sorry. One question. Making this big deal about, like, the next pay-per-view. Like, I assumed Pac and Omega were going to be. Yeah, I mean, that's the other kind of direction that's kind of out there. But, I mean, you're right about that. Like, I'd kind of forgotten that. You're right. All right, never mind. Sorry, Megan, continue. Well, I guess the real question is, will Pac kill Michael Nakazawa before Michael Nakazawa joins the Dark Order? We don't know. He keeps letting him go. He's 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 really he's really into catch and release. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like you got to maintain the ecosystem because if if yeah. Michael Nakazawa is taken out of the mix, then who will pack threaten? That's true. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, why doesn't so, Michael Nakazawa have like a bodyguard at this point? Because he should be able to take care of himself. Although I would love a storyline where. On being the elite after Michael Sawa, Nakazawa is shamed in the gym by Hikaru Shida, he goes, hey, I've got some mean people attacking uh-huh. Can you maybe um, help me with that? And I, then she just kicks ass. I was thinking the same thing because they on being the elite, they did the Joey Ryan where his bodyguard was... Candace. Uh, Candace, yeah. Or they talked about, I mean, she obviously wasn't on, but they talked about, like, that blonde girl that used to, like, protect him and stuff. Yeah. That would be fun. We need, like, the AEW version of that. hmm Yeah, I'd be all, all about that. It, I think it would be hilarious. Yeah. So, um, there's some stuff that happens after the match, but before we talk about that, are, is there any any comments on what happened in the match itself? I mean, it ruled. Yeah, like, yeah, it, it was intense. Darby's gonna Darby's gonna kill himself before he gets to be a, a 
a huge star. But I know I'm um, worried about that. His back was so bruised and bloody at the end. It was ugh, rough. That mm-hmm. had to have been from when he grabbed him by the legs and like threw him like a sack of potatoes into the steps, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, it looked really cool, but it was also very, very painful looking. Yeah. Um, they did that spot where uh, Pack had Darby on his shoulders and Darby kind of like he rolled back and turned into like a crucifix kind of thing and they flipped over. And so essentially like Pack just what happened was basically Pack had Darby on his back and then Pack did a full moonsault and it was just like, <laughs> God damn, you're strong. Yeah. <laughs> He's a yeah. stout little boy. Yeah. Yeah. No, I thought this match ruled i thought like the uh the coffin drop was fantastic on the he did it to the like onto him on the floor um yeah like darby's gonna have to get a big win sometime like yeah like i think this might be the last time that he needs to lose like a big match like this he needs to beat somebody i think he's beat one person he hasn't beat any like major people though no he needs to he needs needs to to be a major guy he needs to win a like a big match um like obviously he couldn't because this was a whole setup for next week with Moxley and Pack, but um, no, I thought this was awesome, and uh, I I love Darby Allen, I love Pack, and it's it's great to see them out there main eventing a show too. Yeah, but and like, like I thought for sure that four way I thought for sure that four way tag would be the main event, but yeah, I it seems like it should be, but these two are awesome. Yeah, oh, but I I do worry about Darby. How can you not? Like, <laughs> it's just man, he has zero regard for his safety. Yeah. I also really like that. Pack was just like at the beginning. Well, he just watched Darby like enter the ring, and he had like zero zero thoughts, or like was clearly not impressed by his weird shtick. Like, Darby's just this weirdo. And packs very scary. It, it was a fun dynamic. I liked mm-hmm. it. So after the match, Tony comes down to to the ring to interview Pack about his victory because he is now going to be facing John Moxley for the number one contender spot. And he, you know, Tony, as a good journalist, starts to speculate on how that might go and is Pack concerned. And Pac just kind of waves him off and says, like, no, dude, it, I'm good. I've already won. This is predetermined victory. No need to actually do the match because he assumes that Moxley's going to forfeit because he's obviously been beat up. His physical condition is going to be bad. So he like, doesn't have an eye. Yeah, he's blindish. <laughs> One eye. Um <laughs> So, Is Moxley going to have to walk around that entire cruise for five days with, like, a bandage over his eye? Uh, I've seen a picture of him on the boat. He's just wearing sunglasses. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was going to say, that's going to be a bad tan line. Yeah. Are we to believe that his eye has been busted and uh, just, like, he is blind forever? I can't imagine. That would be a really annoying thing to have to play. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so just Even like a Thor couldn't like last more than a movie with that. No, just get that digital eye up in there. Yeah. So, <laughs> because of this, 
because Pac has made some assumptions, um, we go backstage and Moxley is being loaded into an ambulance. He ha- he already has a giant eye patch affixed to his face. Like, it's very intense. It's, he's probably lost that eye. Um, it's rough, man, you know? And they've also smudged some blood on him. That wasn't there before. Yeah. This is this is like the pack promo they did after the barbed wire bat and broom. Okay, but we know how that blood got there. Well, he yeah. smeared it all. Yeah, yeah. Pac <laughs> had a cut on his finger and smeared it all over his face. Yeah, where did this blood come from? I think this is like <clears throat> stage makeup blood. truck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's just like a little smudge on his cheek. You know, it wasn't. Well, no, he had it on his cheek, and then it. It was it was a couple of smudges on his cheek and then on his chest as well. Oh, it but it's for sure fake. Like he he wasn't yeah, yeah. bleeding during that match. Like, no. He wasn't. And like you said, Jericho took very good care of him. Yeah, he was very far away from hitting him in an actual right. face. Uh, but yeah, so okay, Mox has got the patch. He's got the blood. He's he mad obviously. So he jumps out of the ambulance and he makes his way to the stage and. He gets the mic and he's like, fuck that. Like, I'm coming for you. I'm going to kick your ass. I don't care if I'm blind. So there you have it. And then we have a team of Christopher Daniels, Aubrey, and Rick Knox running out there to make sure that Moxley doesn't actually go any further than the stage. But it's clear he's ready to go. He wants to fight. Pack is mad about this. Um, but we're not going to get a forfeit. So that's good. We are going to get an actual match between these two, and Moxley's very angry and possibly blind. So we'll see how it plays out. That's the end. Good show. Yeah. Aside from aside from that uh, that December eighteenth show, uh, I feel like I always leave an episode of Dynamite, and I feel like there's a clear direction. I think it helps that for this particular one, we're going from the beach to the boat. I'm so excited to see the boat <laughs> on TV. Like, holy yeah. shit. Like, I can't, I can't wait. How do you think it's going to look? Because we saw it on a maybe like one or two episodes of Being the Elite years mm-hmm. ago. But, like, what do you think an actual TV production is going to do with this? I mean, I think, I think, I don't know. Like, I, I, I hope it's, I mean, I'm sure it'll look better than that because it's going to be professionally filmed. But, uh, I, I am very interested. So they, they, they did somebody, I guess, fight TV filmed the stuff last year because they because they sold it as a, like a package you could like watch the wrestling portions um and i never saw how that looked but uh i imagine a turner a tnt production of this will be i hope so yeah and and they are they are taping it beforehand it's not airing live right so i think that was a smart choice yeah, <laughs> yeah. oh yeah for sure yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna take all those tapes and speedboat them back to Miami, <laughs> and I think that's what's gonna happen. Yeah, I don't know how good the internet is to like digitally transmit it. Uh, it's definitely stuff. not. I watch all those below deck yachting shows, and like the internet, not great. Satellite you internet, can't, not the best. If you can't watch a Steelers football game <laughs> from the coast of Greece, then what the hell are we even doing here? <laughs> All right, let's talk about ratings real quick. AEW kicked the shit out of NXT again. Great. <laughs> uh, this is from Post Wrestling, and uh, John Pollock writes that 
Uh, viewership figures for Elite Wrestling and NXT were consistent with their performances from last week with another solid victory on the AEW side, topping 900,000 viewers for the third consecutive week. Wednesday's edition of Dynamite averaged 940,000 viewers. Uh, That's up a little from the prior week. No, they were. Uh, it was last week was 947. Oh, 947. Uh, conversely, NXT averaged 700,000 viewers, a minor drop from the 720,000 they attracted the week before. Um, AEW won all the key demos except for adults over 50, which NXT narrowly won. So, yeah, so AEW coming for your olds. Right, but <laughs> yeah. Diamond Dallas Page was on. That's true. Damn. That's true. You know what? That could have been it. Get that 50 um, plus crowd. In the key 18 to 49 demo, it was AEW posting a 0.38 to NXT's 0.21. So they're back to almost doubling them in the key demo, which is what they were doing in the like the early going. Remember, uh, yeah. And this is, I think, this was AEW's best week in the key demo since um, like mid mid November. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, so unfortunately, like last week we talked, we had uh, quarter hour ratings, yeah. which I love because I think it's, it's really so cool fun. to see what makes yeah. the what what makes things go up and down. Dave did not have that in the Observer this week. He didn't get them in time. But he talked a little bit about them on audio, and and so I, I just got like what I was able to note from the audio. And basically, just complete domination by AEW until the final segment, where the NXT Women's Battle Royal uh, took a lot of viewers away from Darby Allen versus Pac. Hmm. So, Allen versus Pac still won. But the the gap was less than a hundred. It was ninety two thousand viewers. Okay. For that match, and the other big takeaway that Dave mentioned was that the Jericho Moxley segment, so basically after the match and like the yeah, beat NXT by four hundred thousand viewers. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. So people really into the Jericho Moxley thing. It seems like. I think if they had done the tag team as the final match, they probably wouldn't have had as much of a fall off. Maybe not. I do. Th- I, I, I. But I think they need to start off strong. Yeah, and I think that it's important to put new people in those main event positions too, to like to get people used to the idea that they are important. You know. Yeah, I agree yeah. with that. And it's not like it. It died. Right. It's like the the show was just pretty even throughout. You know the whole thing. Um. Anyway, yeah. So those are the ratings. It's. It's just. It's it's weird to see like this NXT experiment continue because it's like they failed at what they were trying to do, which was to like drive the AEW ratings down to the point where they didn't get like a big TV deal. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that they failed because I mean, if you look back in December, like they were, it was clearly working. Yeah, they were having that competition. They lost in the demos one time. They lost in viewership a couple times. Like, right. I think it's just. For some reason, NXT lost a lot of momentum when they didn't have two real shows two weeks in a row. And I think it also it, it tells you how valuable having that Survivor Series storyline where like main roster people were popping up yeah. on, on Wednesday nights was. And now that's like done. Yeah, you're right. And and we're so far gone from it because they lost steam too. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I bet that's it. What do you think, Megan? Of the whole thing. Of the whole thing, the battle. Yeah. Yeah, and like uh, just you know, like yeah, just what do you think? I mean, I I agree with like the points you guys have talked through. Um, 
I just, I think I know it hurts. I know it hurts your heart to say like negative things about NXT. Well, that's the thing too. Is like I don't. It's hard because I don't think NXT is bad. You know, like no, I think NXT is a really good show. Yeah, it, it's not like one of those um, David and Goliath situations. It's it's actually like I want both sides to succeed equally. So, uh, you, I, I you know I don't want to badmouth one, but um, I don't. I also don't think like NXT is necessarily in danger because the WWE is the Goliath in the situation. So um, I'm really glad that that AEW is doing as well as it does. Uh, because, you know, they're like the scrappy upstart, and I, I want them to succeed. And NXT was that way at one time. I don't think on national television they're that way, but, you know, like, in their own little bubble of WWE they are. So, like, they're both kind of the same, but different. Um, but basically, I want everybody to succeed. Do you guys think NXT or WWE will somehow counter the secondary AEW television show? With the UK? With, with something? The UK is what they've got. But what if USA is like, well, we don't really want to put that on the our, on our air. Why do you hate the UK, USA? Like, <laughs> damn you. Our station's name is USA, you know. <laughs> uh, I just, oh, I want them to calm down. The, the greatest travesty of all of this battle is that I'm going to get more shows that I have to fucking watch. <laughs> I cannot keep up with everything. Please just calm down and improve the shows you have. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I hope it's I hope it's not that. I hope it is just like they they strip dark and like make something yeah like more broadcastable of it. I think that's what they're gonna do. Yeah, I hope. And I and I hope we get more like profiles of the real person. Well, that's so. That's what the um, like the TNT, like Kevin Riley, the guy who like basically made this deal. That's kind of what he said. Um, I can actually just quote him real quick because I was just looking at that uh, article. But he says they're going to take Dark and adapt it for the network. And we he, here's his quote: "We just figured let's bring it onto the network and make it a place where you truly plant up and coming talent." I think we'll start doing more packages there and filming some behind-the-scenes stuff, not for the matches that night, but with other talent to plant stories and grow things that could eventually become another show in and of itself. Honestly, I would be totally happy if they decided to pull Dark off YouTube and make it a network show, like this Mm -hmm. show they're talking about, because, as we've said many times before, they have a nasty habit of putting stuff on Dark that has implications for the other shows, but gets mentioned only on dark. So yep. yeah, like yeah, it would it, be good to like unify those universes a little bit more. Yeah. It would justify them doing stuff on dark. And then at least you could say like, well, you didn't watch this other show that's on the same network. So fine. Yes. So, uh, all we have left is just the quick, uh, previews for dark and dynamite and dark is weird because they taped six matches in Miami because oh because they're not new you could have just shown three random matches they're doing matches all week on that that's what i thought that's what i thought i guess they just didn't i don't know didn't want to but anyway they didn't want to have to buy that speedboat off twice yeah if they taped six matches how long was that miami audience stuck in their seats probably pretty long so these are the matches and apparently we had uh 
Excalibur, Taz, Tony, and JR in different rotations for the commentary teams. Uh, we had Diamante making her AEW debut versus Big Swole. We had here, okay, here's the payoff of that Nyla Rose Shanna thing. We had Shanna versus Nyla Rose in a tables match. Oh, damn. Jenny just rolled her eyes. Uh, we've got Sunny Kiss and Brandon Cutler versus The Dark Order. Oh, Sonny Kiss is going to be back on. He hasn't been on all year. No. And The Dark Order, I don't think they've wrestled in like... I can't even tell you the last time The Dark Order wrestled. So when you say The Dark Order, you just I'm mean the two. I'm guessing that means... Well, I guess it could be the Clean Beavers. Um, but I would... <laughs> based on this report, I'm guessing it's just Uno and Grayson, though. But Brandon Cutler's part of The Dark Order. So how is he... Not officially. Not officially. Yes, he is. We, he's he's the one, the other one in the purple mask. They haven't they haven't said that yet, though. But he's clearly the other one in the purple mask. <laughs> uh, we've got Jurassic Express versus the Stronghearts, who are back. Uh, Ray Phoenix versus Joey Janela. So I guess they decided to do that on Dark instead of Dynamite. Even though when he did the promo on, it sounded like that was a match for Dynamite. Yeah, yeah. And Kip Sabian versus Michael Nakazawa. Hmm. Okay. So that's that lineup, and then. In a, in a rarity, uh, there are only two matches announced for uh, Dynamite. We usually have a full card huh. by this point, but uh, maybe they just figured the boat is the draw. So it's uh, Jurassic Express versus Chris Jericho and uh, Santana and Ortiz. And, oh, I'm sorry, there are three matches. Uh, it's John Moxley versus Pac for the number one contendership, and it is SCU defending the tag team titles against Hangman Page and Kenny Omega. So I'm super excited for that show because of the boat. Yeah, I hope we get to see, like, I hope the backstage stuff is just them on islands, like, doing stuff. That'd be good. Yeah, I, I would be okay with that. Anyway, so, yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a full week, and, uh, and uh, we'll be back next week because that's what we do here. And as always, I'm Andy for Jenny and Megan. And thanks for listening to the Elite Beat. E, beat, beat. E, E, beat, beat.